Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. That's TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. That's TireRack.com, TireRack.com, TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Greetings, welcome inside to the Dan Patrick Show here at Fox Sports Radio. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan. And I got to say, mm-hmm. you know, this open with with you, you know, you calling other radio shows. The promo they play on, on the radio all the time of you calling different businesses in, in, in the country. Yes. When, when you call the one place, it says a chiropractor is not a doctor. That's become a line in our house. 
just for certain, certain times, just for a, a big non sequitur line is a chiropractor is not a doctor. And my daughter will say, wait, wait, but why is a chiropractor not a doctor? And it becomes this conversation. So you, you, you have now that, that promo has now infected my house that to the point where now I'm quoting a promo. From Fox Sports Radio. It's pretty funny, actually. Um, whether you like uh, that promo or not, it's just the idea. Um, I've known most of the Danettes and Dan now. I'm t- 15 years? Mm-hmm. 15 years. And so, yeah, dude, I just, you know, it's like, why text Why text them stuff and get into text wars with them things that are being said when you got the hotline, call them, and maybe I've reached the point of annoyance. I've become, I become that friend. <laughs> become that friend. Good to be with you. We got the whole week here. And um, we are, we're, by the way, this is week zero of college football. Week zero. This is the pre-boarding of college football. Week zero, right? Well, you, you're, how do you board a plane before you board a plane? I don't know, but that's pre-boarding. That's essentially what we have here with real college football games that actually count, but they don't count. They're, they're not actually given the, the, the denomination week one. No, well, that, well, that's the whole thing is that when you're boarding a plane, you need to go through everything if you need extra help, if you need to have a bag stowed. It's for people that need help. So you can Who doesn't make need it a bag smoother stowed for everybody else. Who doesn't need a bag stowed anymore? I can put my own bag up top. No, but again, you're, still, you're stowing your bag. You're talking yeah. about... No, but the pre-boarding, first you do military personnel, then you do people that have special needs, and then you do people that travel all the time, and then you do first class, and then you do, these are all pre-boarding, and then you're like, all right, the rest of you, get on. That's what happens next week in college football. Then you got preseason NFL, but there's no week zero NFL. There's no super secret games in the NFL. Yeah, we should, why, why can't we have one exhibition college football game? Why can't, we, why can't teams have one? Why can't they have one, one game? Not, not 100 games, right. one game. Have one preseason exhibition college football game because guys would get hurt. But you, you got 120 guys. You can play a lot doesn't of guys. Matter. Doesn't matter. There's a reason that some guys start and some guys don't. Guys would get hurt. That's really what it comes down to. And they do have that. They have spring football. Nah, they do have, yeah, they, but that's not the same. It actually is the same. No, nah, but it actually is exactly the same. I would actually watch a preseason college football game it's with actually, my team. They actually, well, could they? Well, I mean, at some point they're going to do it because of. Because it it can make they can make money doing it, right? Sure. It's like, well, we can make we can make money doing this. That's the genius to the NFL stuff, right? The genius to the NFL is like, well, these don't really count, and we don't really care, but we can make money doing it. So we're gonna if you want to buy season tickets, you have to buy the preseason tickets. Got to buy the two games, but I went. Nope, gotta have them. All right. A lot of guys getting out of jail today at LA County because that Rams Raiders game. <laughs> <laughs> who, who who thought anyone who knows anything about Raiders in the Coliseum? First time they stepped foot in the Coliseum since 1994 when they bailed in the Coliseum. And the irony to it is, if you know anything about LA and you were you know alive or a football fan back then, when they moved down from Oakland after historic success, it was to have a renovated stadium. Only now, only now is the stadium renovated, and only half the stadium is actually renovated for USC, as they own the building. But uh, they stepped in and played, and I think lost the game to the Rams. I don't remember if I yes, they I think they did lose the game to the Rams. Anyway, there was um, there was epic fights, the level that they hadn't seen since. Well, the Raiders were in town, and they called the Coliseum home. Well, this is why the NFL didn't want the Raiders in LA to begin with. They didn't want the the vision of the Raiders fans to come and and just 
take over Los Angeles like it had. They didn't. They didn't want that visual. They didn't want that. That's not why. Oh, sure it is. No, it's they not. Did, they did not want. They did that not want that. That has nothing to do with. That has nothing they to do with. Did not it. want that. That's not true. That's not that. That's absolutely not true. Do I have to find it? Do I have to you find, can it, find it? That's not why they didn't have it. It's oh, because okay. they don't have any money. I can find the only reason the Rams are in Los Angeles, in addition to the fact that they used to be in Los Angeles, is because they had an owner that would pay to break the ground in the stadium. That's it. End of story. If 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 Mark Davis had money, had enough money to foot the bill to build a stadium, they happily would have had the Raiders, the Raiders, Raiders there. That's it. That's the only reason. I can find many things on the internet. It doesn't of, matter. It doesn't mean it things there. I can find many things truth that are conspiracy isn't, so Truth theory. isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. <laughs> that's not the reason they're not there. Okay. It's, that's that was, not part of it. That's not part of it. No. Okay. No, it has nothing to do with it. Okay. The Raider, they didn't want the Raiders in LA because there's a bunch of Raider fans in LA? They want the image of the Raider fans in Los Angeles having so, a negative connotation. So they want, the they, want, they want the image of the Raider fans in Vegas with the negative connotation. Well, maybe they can, you know, just that's one city that already has a connotation of certain ways. Say, hey, we'll just send the Raiders there. Why not? That is nothing. They can, uh, can blend uh, in. Honest to God, I'm, I, pro- can blend I, into I, the story. Promise you, I promise you, and I, I'll, I know a lot more than I'm letting on to know about the Raiders deal. The only reason the Raiders... Uh, ended up in Vegas is they don't have any money. Mark Davis doesn't have any money, and they're the poorest team in the NFL. It doesn't ma- their image does not, their image of how important they are to the NFL and the brand that is the Raiders, which is very very powerful. Like that's one of the iconic images. But the fact is, it doesn't actually translate to dollars. Like there's a value in the Raiders, but because the Davis, like people are like, well, they're worth three billion dollars. Like, fine, they're never going to sell it, so it doesn't really matter. There's no real value there. They don't have ex- any cash. That's part of the Khalil Mack problem is they don't have the cash and then they don't have the salary cap room because they mis misvalued uh, what Khalil Mack would be on the open market, what he knows he should get in his next contract. Anyway, um, the reason that they end up in Vegas is they need they needed somebody to give them cash to build them a stadium because they don't have any money of their own and they weren't going to come and do 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 business with somebody else's stadium in L.A., which is actually really smart business from Mark Davis. Al Davis tried to move the Raiders from Oakland to Los Angeles almost every year Yes, while he was still owning the team after they had moved the first time. Yes. They've wanted to get back. The NFL did not want them that in Los not, Angeles. That's not true. Sure. That's not true. If they, if they, if they, if they could have cut a Jason, check, they could have done things, I, they, would, they I, would have moved. I love you. I don't they think this moved. is the story of the day. I'm just promising you that's not true. All right, they you're the one that went crazy on it. <laughs> no, no. I went crazy on it because the, the after, like, look. This is the thing on Raider fans is not all Raider fans are gangsters, but all the gangsters are Raider fans. And that's what happens in L.A. But that that's not why the NFL doesn't want to be there. Like still fights in at Rams games. There just is. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick today. Twitter at How About a Fresca. Doug, Twitter at How About a Fresca. Doug is at Gottlieb Show. That's kind of a tongue twister right there but one of the big stories of the day then we'll get to here for a few minutes right. big nfl week two to look back at is one thing we've seen the first two weeks of the nfl is a lot of really bad penalty calls a lot of roughing the passer calls and many of these calls are due to the new helmet rule in the nfl one in which richard sherman is extremely upset about he was asked about it and said listen it's just not going to happen I want a video of you running full speed, being led by anything but your head while also attempting to bring down a moving target. You will realize it's impossible, as the NFL is now calling personal foul penalties for any player who, quote, initiates contact with his helmet to any part of an opposing player's body. Just about every single game in the first two weeks, you have seen an instance of, what the hell is that? That's the most ridiculous call I've seen. But yet we're seeing it over and over again. Now the big question is, 
are we seeing it now because referees are trying to get used to this and they're throwing the flags because they want to recognize it and see if this is a penalty and what the, the fallback of it is? Or is this just the way it's going to be called all season long? Look, I would, I would, guess, I would guess there's a couple things to it. Um, first, and I, I put this out on Twitter yesterday, and you can tell me if you, 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 you disagree, is the intentions are good. And, um, I, and, and look, this is, I understand that player safety is different than hand-checking the NBA. But this is what we had with hand-check in the NBA. This is what we had with freedom of movement in college basketball. The start of the season, especially now you have a preseason, is brutal. Brutal. Because officials are, one, trying to get a feel for the rule. And two, they're just trying to do what their bosses told them, which is if you dip your head before you make contact, then you got to throw a flag. And I, I know it appears to be pretty obvious on television, but games aren't played inside television sets. They're played by human beings, and if you've ever, and I know you have, but most fans haven't, been on a football field during an NFL or a college game, it's crazy fast. The The speed by which these, it, mm-hmm. it's crazy fast. So you see a guy dip his head, you're like, oh gosh, I gotta throw a flag. And once that thing's in the air, there's not, hold on, let me catch that flag and take it back, right? You can't go the, wait a second, I'm gonna take it right. Like, you can't rewind like it's TiVo. So, I, 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 I believe that some of this is erring on the side of caution. A lot of it is erring on the side of caution because you're trying to keep, do your job and keep your job and get promoted to doing the best games in the NFL. And, and you're adjusting to it. But look, two of the biggest plays last season that led to this rule, in addition to the concussion lawsuit, in addition to everything else, Ryan Chazier laying motionless on a football field on national TV an iconic player playing in an iconic franchise, playing on Thursday night football where everybody could see it, and we all held our breath. That and how the Minnesota Vikings beat the New Orleans Saints with a rookie ducking his head so he can't see the play, doesn't see see Stephon Diggs, and he simply looked up, wrapped up Stephon Diggs as he catches the football. That thing is over, and the Saints go and take on the Philadelphia Eagles in the playoffs. Those two are all you need to know if you're Richard Sherman. Like, look, dude, we don't want you to get hurt. And we want you to be able to make all the plays you can make. And yeah, we're going to err on the side of caution. There's going to be some bad penalties. But even the NFL, if you remember back when they put on the Tom Brady rule, which is can't hit a dude, knees are below, can't hit him, neck or above. That first season, there were ridiculous penalties. But now you adjust, and there's still occasionally a dumb penalty being called to which you barely scrape a guy's helmet. You call it, that's the rule. And we move on. That's it. It's, it feels really bad at the time. You can't freak out over preseason football where the refs are adjusting, and it's the first year of implementing this new, new, new use of the helmet rule. See, I, I look at it this way: is that this is something if you really want to get with the helmet, because obviously defensive players don't care. They don't care about changing how they tackle. I, I spear. That's how I'm going to tackle. But but it really hurts players. I don't care. This is why older NFL players that are retired, debilitated, can't get the money they want because the players nowadays don't care enough to say yeah. Well, we should take care of everybody. Defensive players don't care. They want to tackle how they tackle, and they're going to play the game, and they're going to move on. But this is something that can easily be taken care of during the week in New York. If you have a hit on a quarterback and you're unsure whether you're throwing the flag, you don't throw the flag. If you're sure, if you see it, if you see a guy, he picks up the quarterback, pile drives him, it's helmet to helmet, these things you can see, you can hear the helmet to helmet when you're an official on the field, throw the flag. But something like this, this is like jurisprudence for the week. You know what? We're going to go back and look at these these hits from the week. And you know what? No, 
that doesn't get a fine. You don't get fined. This, upon further review, this is a fine because you led with your helmet. You had a chance. The crowd, whatever you want to say, you can go back and say after review and video evidence, this is what's happened, and it's a fine. And you're taking money out of the player's pocket. You're at least not affecting the product on the field. You're not saying, okay, here's a 15-yard penalty that is going to affect the game. That's going to be something that, oh boy, now we lose that end. We're, we might wind up losing the game because now they have a first down at the 50 instead of that was fourth down. They were punting with four minutes left in the game. That's an interesting way of looking at it. I, I think this is, frankly, players, if if offered the two, players would take this as in, instead of the fine, right? That I, I truly believe oh, that. Oh, no one, want, no one wants money taken out, but we got to do something. You can't call a penalty in you know four days later, but you can have a fine four days later. I, I think this is this gets at the heart of how tackling is taught. And I, I I played football for eight seasons growing up as a kid. Eight seasons I played football, and every coach I ever played for would was I always taught you, you know, see what you hit, see which is all this is, mm-hmm. is, see what you hit, and you're trying to kind of reestablish the fundamentals of the game. I I think what you're saying is really interesting, and I do think that hitting guys in the wallet does make them change things, but they have been finding guys for lowering the helmet previously, and it hasn't taken it out of the game. And I would say that's probably the reason for this adjustment. Like, hey, you know what? We find you guys for a couple years for these helmets, for these helmet-to-helmet hits. You guys cried foul. We even suspended guys for it. It didn't work. So this is what we're going to do. And, Mike, you as a parent, me as a parent, there are certain things you do that just don't work, right? Whether it's, hey, you're not going to go out next week. Like, all right. Or I'm going to take away your cell phone. And when thing, when you find the punishment that works, that changes the behavior. And I think this is the NFL's most recent way now to change the behavior and do it so that everyone sees this is the way that you tackle a player. Are there going to are there some perfectly clean, perfectly legal, by the way, by the book hits that get penalized? Yes, but if if that is the if that's the worst thing that happens. I think you'd take it if you can take out the Ryan Shazier laying motionless on a football field. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. It is the Dan Patrick Show here at Fox Sports Radio. Jason and Doug in for Dan today. We got more NFL on the way coming up next. A couple of teams that may have gone Hollywood. And guess what? It might be 2012 for one NFL team with the running backs they're bringing in to take a look at. All that coming up next right here. Dan Patrick Show, Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio, it is the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan this week. My show heard nights here on Fox, 8 to 11 Pacific. Doug is 12 to 3 when you're not doing your various television duties you had a full week last week a radio everywhere i looked you were on television full week you're like, like 11 shows last week it's fun you've done that doing your nfl network stuff you've done that we're like all right you just just stay here and we're gonna we're gonna give you water and occasionally food and and just plug you in on tv it was it's super fun to fill in for colin as it is filling with you uh for, for dan I brought you a hot dog and a Coke dog. Hey, that's great. Yeah, that's 11.50. Oh, oh, all right. Let me, let me, well, let this, me, this, let me this, this goes, me back, this goes back to my, our story. I'll tell it really quickly because I do want to get to, so, uh, they were, remember a couple weeks ago was a story where the WNBA, I guess, canceled a game, right? If WNBA gets canceled and nobody knows that it actually exists. Oh, anyway, look oh. at you. They'll never let you play in the WNBA now. That's okay. A good friend of mine is actually a coach at the Atlanta Dream and uh, they, they beat Vegas last night. Anyway, so, 
Um, Look at you knowing stats and final scores. <laughs> ah, she's a good friend of mine. I'm super happy for her success. Her name's Nikki Collins. She's hey, who should be on coach. the third team of all no WNBA? Idea. Who's, no, who's, no, who's, who's no, the third no team? No idea. Anyway, <laughs> they were... They, they were People are talking about the story. Basically, the WNBA—it's like a—it's a really kind of glorified minor league, right? And so it's a major league slash minor league. So I was telling you before the, before the show, I used to—I played in this league called the USBL, the United States Basketball League. It used to be in May and June, and there's actually super talented players. Like the team I played on, uh, in Oklahoma City, I—we didn't win the. Ch- I think we lost in the finals. Yeah, we lost in the finals, but we had like six or seven dudes. Uh, remember Bubba Wells? Oh, yeah. Uh, I did Wells. fantasy USBL, so yeah. yeah. No, Bubba Wells led college basketball in scoring. Um, anyway, like we had Bubba Wells. We had uh, Willie Burton, who scored 50 points in the oh, NBA, former ninth pick of the yes. uh, of the draft. Knocked us out of the tournament with but, like 30 points. Anyway, year. so um, so we had like legit players. I'll never forget, we played a game the night before in D.C. Bus up, we play a game in Philadelphia the next morning. Or outside of Philadelphia, in at Lehigh University against the Pennsylvania Valley Dogs. Daryl Dawkins, the late great Daryl Dawkins, pour, pour some liquor, uh, pour some liquor out for Chalk and Thunder, was their head coach. And it was like a ten o'clock or an eleven o'clock a.m. start, and they did it. The w, they do this in the WNBA as well, so that you can get all the kids from summer camps. It's like all the local summer camps come up and show up, and so there's like five thousand people. They don't know who they're supposed to be cheering for, and they're, the the counselors are just happy to have them out of camp for a day. Instead of taking him to a movie, you take him to one of these camps, right? They bring him in from the Poconos and they take him to the camp. So we get there and we'd been driving for like six hours. We get off the bus and like, hey, game's in like an hour. I'm like, all right, go warm up. Like, dude, I'm hungry. <laughs> like, all right, we'll get you guys. We'll get you guys some hot dogs. <laughs> so you, you go out, you warm up, you come back. And the locker room is like littered with like hot dogs. And there's a guy that one of the managers is like marking down who takes how many hot dogs. And you're like, that's weird. Like, what are they? They like think I'm Kobayashi that I'm going to down like 15 hot dogs there. So you eat like two or three hot dogs and you have a Coke and you go out and you play the game kind of like old school back in the summer playing pickup ball style, right? Like you can play on anything or at least you think you can. And so minor league basketball, and I think minor league baseball is the same. You get 20, $25 a day per diem, right? So you can buy your food. And so like all of a sudden I got like 1250 and like, Hey, where's the rest of my per diem? Like, dude, you had two hot dogs and a Coke. Where do you think you think that's free? Like what? What? Yeah, you, had, you had eleven fifty left to eat. It was only noon. Yes, what I know. You, what do you do for the next twelve hours? Well, the, you the, were stuck. The good thing is, <laughs> burp up a couple of hot dogs and have them again. Oh, uh, see, now, see, you know, it's why do why are you gonna do this to people? You know, it's in the people. You know, you gonna give me the burp, the whole Kobayashi thing that where you had a reversal. Yes, I had know, a, I, I had a game. Not, not like a full reversal, just a just, little bit. Just a little, a little reversal. Bit. That, that part you didn't chew all that well. They got stuck behind your tooth. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you want to hit Doug up on that on Twitter. That's at Gottlieb Show. Uh, so as we continue talking week two of the NFL, now that's gonna visual is gonna be in my head all day of you eating a hot dog, dribbling a basketball, and then throwing up. Uh, which did that ever happen to you? By the way. But eat, throw up, dribble in a basketball, and that yeah. happen? USBL? Okay. Because be, if there's video of that, I'd yes, want to see Yes, that'd be reversed. That'd be funny. Um, I'm worried about the Browns. Not, not just coming off the story yesterday, you know, the Buffalo Bills are very upset at Jarvis Landry, who uh, made a block against uh, a Bills rookie cornerback on Saturday night, uh, Teron Johnson, that was not penalized, but they felt was a dirty hit. And now the Browns are making headlines like all the time now. Browns, everywhere you look, the Browns are on hard knocks. You have Antonio Callaway. And it's like the Browns 
have gone Hollywood with one win in the last three years. They have now gone completely Hollywood. Baker Mayfield is Hollywood. Everywhere you've gone, he's done the he's done the big tour in the offseason. He, you know, he's on television everywhere. Here he is getting a lot of attention at camp. They got the RV that they let people in. They don't let people in. Antonio Callaway is allowed to have drugs and guns and gun parts in his car and play without any kind of of, of repercussions at all by Hugh Jackson, who's decided I'm going to run just a bad version of the 90s Dallas Cowboys, where, hey, it was lawless, but at least they were really talented and won. We haven't won a game in three years. You throw in Jarvis Landry, who's the biggest wannabe in the world. Everything he does, I feel it so he can get on hard knocks. I got to increase the Jarvis Landry brand. So I'm going to talk about Dez coming. I'm going to get in a fight at practice. I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to say we're going to go 16 and 0. We're going to score 40 points a game. It's like they've gone Hollywood without even winning a game in in the last, you know, 450 days and I, I I don't get it. And certainly, yeah, this block that they felt was was bad on on Friday certainly was a player that, that didn't have his head up looking and Landry kind of came out from the side and hit him. But I don't know, did Jarvis Landry hit him just to get on hard knocks? I mean, really, this is this is where you're at with the Browns now. It's like everything is about, hey, we're Hollywood, we're ready. It's like, dude, you guys got to win a football game. Yeah, I mean, y- yes, you have to you have to start to win. It's usually we have to start to win before we talk about you, but the Browns have been able to generate hard knocks helps them having the number one overall pick helps them. And all of, all of these barkers that they have helped them, but this is, you know, look, it's a tinderbox there. I mean, I think like, you know, Hugh Jackson is a guy who seems like a player's coach seems like a guy, but now all of a sudden trying to be tough. And then he has two, two coordinators who are clearly psychos. Right, I mean, Todd Haley wants his job. Greg Williams just wants some wants some heads on a stick, and you have a general manager in John Dorsey, who, um, after being relieved of his duties in Kansas City, like claims Kansas City as like a, a success for him, right? Yeah. And he, he he comes in and he didn't hire Hugh Jackson, so there's that as a mix. You do have uh, Jarvis Landry, who wants to be his best friend Odell Beckham Jr. in terms of creating headlines. And he's not in New York, so it's really hard to do so. The Browns are exactly what you think they are. That's, that's it. They're they're talented, but there's a reason this thing is not. It, it's not going to work. Like you can't have culture does matter. Okay, culture and character does matter. Do you have to have talent? Sure, but you look at some of the trends in the NFL, and I know you want to talk about this upcoming that the that the Cowboys don't have super. They don't have a Jarvis Landry as a wide receiver. They they don't have super freak talent, but whoever you're, you have Jarvis Landry who wants to be Odell Beckham Jr. You got Josh Gordon who's back with the team, but he's one beer away from being out of the NFL. You have Antonio Callaway who's already got, he's like came in with baggage and has already gotten shaken down by the cops. Like, right. You have the better quarterback is the one who's going to be benched in Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield, who I like and is not what many perceive him to be. But the fact is there's a ceiling to that talent and we'll see how that plays out. You have an offensive minded coach with a defensive coach who takes a ton of chances. Like, yeah, I mean, like, look, the Browns have Cowherd, Colin Cowherd has, has says, has this saying, like, if you're not gonna be good, at least be interesting. They're not good, but at least they're interesting. And what'll keep them from being a nine win team or an eight win team is the fact that the character, the culture, but I think they'll win some games this year. I think they'll be fascinating to watch. And it's not the worst thing in the world for a team that has won one game over the last two years to be at least interesting, entertaining, and pretty athletic. And 
not terrible in terms of their talent. I just don't see how the culture thing works for them. No, and, and that's the that's the main thing. Like, look, you can have we can have fun with Jarvis Landry and his eight yards of catch. You know, hey, everybody who does PPR fantasy leagues loves Jarvis Landry. Everybody else, not so much. But the whole thing is, you talked about with Antonio Callaway, the Dan Patrick Show, Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan. Is that this is a guy that had drugs and gun parts and bullets in his car. And when the story came out, Hugh Jackson said, okay, well, we got to get all the facts. Okay, fine. Get all the facts. Find out. Then you get Antonio Callaway says what? Oh, I I didn't know. My car got shipped from wherever he had it shipped from, and I I didn't know this stuff was in there. So apparently people were putting this stuff in the car, then shipping it to him. So then this story gets out. That's that's a really, really awful excuse. I don't don't know. I didn't know that was in there. But it's not the worst excuse I've ever heard. No, because you know what? It's happened to me. One time, my wife and I rented a car. And we turned it back in at the end, and the and the the you know the girl is is going through it, saying, "Okay, you turn this." Around. And she opens up the the ashtray in the back of the car, and she goes, "Whoa, is this yours?" And I go, and it was like half a joint, and I go, "No, not ours." And like, oh, she goes, "Oh, okay." And I'm like, "So we drove around for a week with that. If something happened and, and we got stopped and they searched the car, what would have happened?" And so they bring the manager out. The manager says, "Oh, we we would we would have taken the uh, we taken the hit for that." I go, "Really? You would have taken the hit for that? It would have been you. Oh, we we didn't clean it out. It Liter- you would have said, yeah, no, fig- this is our or fault.' Figuratively taking the hit. Yeah, for that. no, this is our fault. Don't worry about it, guys. You guys are all set. I'm like, are you kidding me? And my wife, she's not going to let something like that go. So she was like a pit bull. She was like, wait, so they gave us like you know money off the car, like 150 bucks off. We're so sorry. I like that one. But the guy comes out. He's like, oh yeah, we would have taken that. Really? Really? You would have? You you would have so done he, that? Um. Well, okay. Let, let's. Yeah, the I actually, and 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 here's the thing. Like, I don't want to be that guy that says I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I classify it as drugs when it's weed. I, I understand the weeds. I'm torn on this. Here's the thing with with the weed in the car. Don't forget the gun strap and the bullets. Right, the gun strap and the bullets are actually a bigger bigger thing. Sure. Right? Like, who has gun straps and bullets in their car? I guess different. It's even different than a Saturday Night Special or even having one in the glove box, which is for your personal protection. Which, if you have it, if you have a permanent permit for it, I wouldn't do it because you know, wrong guy gets a hold of it, kid gets a hold of it, wrong thing had happened. But I, I do at least understand it. If you, if you just made money, a lot of people think they got to protect themselves. the The thing about the weed is this: we're not asking a lot. We, we don't actually ask. People will say, "Well, the NFL has to change their drug testing policy for weed." No, they don't. No, they don't. The if if you're in the drug testing policy. It's because you're an idiot. It's because you're an idiot. The initial drug test is an IQ test. Ask anybody in the National Football League that's honest with you. They test you once, once in the offseason. If you fail that test, you're put into the program. If you don't fail that test, you can actually smoke weed during the season. They don't test you for weed. They'll test you for other things, but even if you pop for weed, you don't get put, put, put in the program. That's the truth to the NFL's drug testing policy. So here's the basic rules to it. Don't smoke it until you're tested and don't smoke it when you're driving. We're not like asking that much, right? Like, honestly, that I don't think that's asking that much uh, of somebody like, and probably don't bring it into work with you, right? Don't bring it into the Browns facility. I don't think that's, that's asking that much. So, uh, but I do think it's fascinating that Hugh Jackson was like, yeah, my punishment to him is I'm going to make him play every snap of the preseason, which for some positions, right? Some positions like, I don't know. You're the left guard. That sounds that sounds tough. Right? You're you got to pull all the time. You're getting you know you got to cut dudes. You're getting smashed. You're getting hit in the head. 
right? You're the fullback, maybe that that a little bit, or you're the cornerback where the amount of reps you're getting is good, but you're going to get dust, you're going to get burned at some point in time if you play all those reps. As a wide receiver, all you can ever hope for is reps because reps mean a more a, a greater likelihood of catching the football. And the more catches you get, the more yards you get. You put it on tape, and even if the Browns cut you, now the sudden you can get picked up by somebody else in the league. Like that is the most bizarre, stupidest, I don't like obtuse punishment I can possibly think of in order like anyone else in the league, anyone else in the Browns, like, wait a second, all they have to do to get more reps is get pulled over with weed, a gun strap, and bullets in the car. Honey. Put the gun strap, put the bullets in the car, and put down that joint, put it in my car. Let's go for a cruise and drive super, super slow on the interstate and smoke while we're driving, right? Like, that is the dumbest punishment ever. The point is, though, that Hugh is, he's going the opposite way of most every other team in the NFL. Ah, culture, the culture. We're just going to, let's go have some fun, play some football, be interesting, and maybe we win enough games. Well, this was him, in retrospect, realizing, boy, I really biffed this. Because he had one chance when the story comes out first. Because first it was just the marijuana. Then it was the gun strap. And then it was, okay, you're flying with us and you're playing the whole first game uh, of, of, our, of our preseason. It was, whoa, okay. And then, finally, when someone said, hey, dude, I, I know you want to get him reps and stuff, but you haven't punished him at all. And you, what, what are you doing? So then he comes up with that cockamamie excuse of, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I, I gave him reps to play the whole game, which just doesn't hold water at all. So now... If you're Antonio Callaway, you're thinking, okay, well, there's nothing I can't do here. And if you're a Browns player, you're like, well, certainly there's rules for other people. And, and I get that, that that on certain teams, there's rules for Tom Brady. Right. There's rules for Aaron Rodgers. Right. There's rules for Cam Newton. There's right. rules for these guys. But now you tell me there's a rule for Antonio Callaway. Well, right? You got rules for a rookie wide receiver. And it's like, okay, so how, how can you take it? How can he run anything? That's a tight ship when here's here's a guy you can easily come down on. It's an easy it's bang. You're a rookie, you got to do this better and boom, you're not going to play in the first preseason game or something else happens. It was easy and still he didn't do it. I I, w- I would guess and in fairness to Hugh, in fairness to you, do I think he's running a loose ship? I do. I I would guess that he probably had Antonio Callaway in one of the conversations that wasn't captured on Hard Knocks. And Antonio Callaway's like, "Look, here's who the we belong to." Here's the gun in the gun strap belong to. It's not mine. I give you my word. And he's like, all right. You know, like you get this. All right, fine. Um, the issue becomes that Antonio Callaway had red flags coming out of school. And then when you have red flags coming out of school and this happens before you've even played a game in the National Football League, everyone else in the league starts rolling their eyes going like, all right, Hugh, you know, like anything to, anything to keep your job, right? Anything to keep mm-hmm. your job. And so... It, look, it's a fascinating thing to watch what happens there. Like when the the brown can the Browns become the Bengals? I remember the Bengals and, and Marvin Lewis. God bless him. He's actually cleaned up the Bengals. Right. This all of these storylines. Like hey, Cincinnati sitting there going like, hey, that used to be us. The late Chris Henry. Like these are the mm-hmm. stories we used to have. And and Pac Man Pac Man Pac Man Jones had the headline uh, in the early in the offseason. Even he's not in the headlines at all. I I, I do think that. While we celebrate and talk about it, and this is what Hard Knocks promotes, I think you mo- talk to most people in the NFL and like, yeah, this is a way in which uh, it's it's not going to work long term because when things are going great, great, you have a lot. You, they do have some t- offensive talent. There. Sure, I don't think anybody dispute that, and you do have two quarterbacks like Tyrod. Oh, it's Tyrod. Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, yeah, Taylor. Yeah. He was Tyrod Taylor for me, but now he's Tyrod. Like Taylor. I don't think he's good, but he's not terrible. He's not the worst quarterback in the league. He helped the Browns get to the playoffs. They shouldn't got to the playoffs. We helped the Browns get to the playoffs last year. 
Well, he's fine. And I think Baker Mayfield's not the worst quarterback. I don't think he should have been the number one overall pick, but I do think that he's a kid who can win some games in the NFL, and he does kind of fit who Cleveland is as a city and who they are as a franchise trying to trying to achieve something that people thought they couldn't achieve. All, all that said, it's when things start, when you lose two games in a row, when you have a couple of penalties that don't go your way, when you get a guy hurt, when you get guys arguing about contracts, that's when it, it snowballs in a hurry. And you're like, wait, why did they lose to this? Team? Why did they lose to the Jets or the Colts or other teams that don't have even the level of athletic talent that they have? These are seeds that are planted as to what? Yeah, this is a powder keg. Like you just, you just, something, what, what's, what's going to light it? Is it going to be something Jarvis Landry says does? Is it going to be something that happens? Is it going to be a couple of penalties? Is it going to be a missed field goal at the end of a game? Like what's, what's it going to be? Powder keg for the Browns. Twitter at how about a fresca Doug at Gottlieb show. We got more NFL coming up next. Hey, if it was 2012, you'd be really excited at the fact that these two guys could potentially be back in the league in a couple of days. We got it next. Jason and Doug in for Dan. This is Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, it is the Dan Patrick Show, brought to you by Mercedes-AMG Driving Performance. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan today, in for Dan this week. My show heard nights here on Fox. Doug, of course, coming up at noon, doing your show every day this week. Doing two shows a day. Look at Well, it's two-a-days. Sure. You know, we're done with the two-a-days, really, in the NFL, but now your two-a-days are starting. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll get after Like, you know, I there's a limit to how much contact we'll take in, in my two-a-days. Okay. All you right. Know, there's, there's, there's a limit there. Part of your CBA with one, uh, one Fox, of the things, sure. One of the things, and I don't know how you feel about this, um, is I, I love when people go like, oh, you got you work some crazy hours. And look, we get up. I don't know what time you get up for the, for for this show. I get up before four, you know, to do mm-hmm. here we're here on the West Coast. Obviously, Dan and the Danettes usually on the East Coast, watching Andrew Perloff um, uh, on uh, on Good Morning Football. Congrats to him getting a little for, because he's an author of a new book out there. Uh, anyway, so I I I like the idea that people recognize when you do a lot on radio or on television, but this idea that we work hard is one of the most laughable things ever. And so I'm not calling out any of my media brethren by name specifically because I don't have anybody immediate, nor I wouldn't do it, um, nor do I have anybody specifically to call out, but they do do it. Like, honestly, if you're thinking about tweeting about how hard your work travel is because American Airlines lost your bags or how overworked you like, please just save the tweets, save the social media updates because there are people with real jobs that don't make nearly as much as we do. And they actually do work hard. My one year, I I got married in August of 2000, right out of college. We were supposed to go overseas to Italy when I was training camp for his basketball team and training camp got pushed back and we didn't really have a plan. We were in Chicago, me and my wife for a couple of days. We didn't plan a honeymoon. We come back to drum Oklahoma, where she's from where I could work out at Oklahoma state and we could stay with her parents for another couple weeks before we hit the road for what we thought was for Russia. Anyway, I did one week. I built a retaining wall. I made 12 an hour building a retaining wall, eight hours a day in the Oklahoma sun in Oklahoma. That was enough. Yeah. So the idea that like, (laughs) dude, you do. And I appreciate it. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess talking for six hours a day, it is a little bit tiring. You're trying to change the subject matter and not repeat yourself, whatever. Uh, it's mentally taxing. But let's be honest, we got the coolest job ever, right? Like filling in for Dan Patrick is pretty damn cool. 
It is very cool. I mean, I, I mean, look. Obviously, the the one guy who works harder the two of us is me. But uh, no, but I, I see what. <laughs> agreed. <laughs> I see what you're saying. No, agreed. No, I get what you're saying. No, I. <laughs> I actually agree, but that's okay. Uh, speaking of working hard, yes, we have the Washington Redskins who are pretending it's 2012. In trying to fix their running back problems, Darius Geis, they lost him to a season-ending torn ACL in preseason. They got a couple of backups out with ankle injuries. Yesterday, they hosted Jamal Charles and Orleans Darqua, and they have now scheduled a visit today with Adrian Peterson. So, I mean, if this is if this is six years ago, this is extremely exciting. I mean, 2012 is now saying, hey, we're having a day. Jamal Charles, Adrian Peterson, who do you pick? Unfortunately, it's 2018. Uh, it's kind of sad. I'm like, look, I love the I love the guys still want a ball. And the guys still, you know, look, I still love the ball. I still want to get after it. But there is, especially with Adrian Peterson, like this, the minute he was traded from the Saints last year, they got uh, pronouncedly better, right? Like this is the first year we finally found a running game to take the pressure off of Drew Brees after we got rid of Adrian Peterson. And then remember he was an Arizona Cardinal. Like these are, these are the years to which we're going to hopefully quickly forget and remember how awesome he was with the Minnesota Vikings. But this is the life of a, of an over 30 running back. And in fairness, he's had multiple knee injuries. Um, and of course he, he missed the season because of the deal with his son. So like, I, I guess part of it makes me sad that guys are still, you know, so desperately, so desperately want a job to stay in football. But part of me, there's that other part of me, which is like, look, football's all, you know, none of these guys are like Adrian Peterson's never going to be on TV. Jamal Charles is never going to be on TV. They're just not good enough with the English language to relate it to, you know, to, they're not DeMarco Murray, who was just hired by Fox who's a bright guy who gets out because, you know, like, look, you hit 30, and it's most, for, with the exception of Frank Gore, it's over. It, it's over for you. You better have that plan B. That's kind of what this tells me. This is, this is where Adrian Peterson needs better people around him to tell him, dude, you realize what you're doing to yourself. I know he wants to keep proving he can play. He wants to be the guy that at 33-34 wins a rushing title and says, see, I told you. And none of you believed in me, and that, and you just have to understand reality. Is that you can have that perception of yourself, but you have to realize how everybody else around the NFL perceives you. You're at the point where you are a late in in camp preseason signing to bring a little bit of stability and a guy that can we can maybe give the ball to on the goal line or can carry the ball on first and second down for us because we're missing all these other guys. And he doesn't have that, and and he keeps trying to jump and go. No, I can still be this guy. Still be this guy. I vividly remember Jerry Rice who said, uh, I remember him doing an interview where he said, you know, I knew, I thought, you know, was it the Raiders at the end? I was just as good as I was when I was with the 49ers. And, and you know, the Raiders wanted me to move on, so I went to the camp with the Broncos and all this, and I'm like, didn't I'm still to, the same as Seattle for a minute? Yeah, he? yeah, Denver, Seattle. then Seattle. It was crazy for him at the end. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm the same guy, I'm the same guy. He goes, and then one of his people, except one of his friends or, or an age or something, showed him a tape and said, look, this is you last year with the Raiders. This is you with the 49ers. And he says, oh, and I saw it. I said, oh, okay. He realized, I, I realized then, I'm not that I'm not that guy anymore. And that that's where Adrian Peterson, Jamal, I mean, look, these guys have both had knee injuries. Both have missed a lot of time. Right. And now you realize now it's really, this is where you're at. You're, you're trying to just desperately get back into the game. 
and it's not going to be what you think. It's not going to be Adrian Peterson thinks, I'm going to get in there, I'm going to win this job, and I'm going to get 28 carries a game, at 20, 30 ca-, and that's not going to happen. Well, I, I do think that the, the one part that may make sense for both of them is, and especially for Adrian Peterson, he never really evolved as a running back, right? He never was a, a great pass-catching threat for the most part. Like, the most catches I think he had in a season was 43. So he's kind of a throwback to it, but he could never, he can also, he can never be a third, he can't be a third running back in a stable. And the re- reason the Redskins lost their top two running backs to ACL injuries, so they do need a first and second down running back who can run it between the tackles and that he can do because people don't understand that third running back usually has to play special teams and he can't do it. That third running back has to be able to catch the ball of the backfield and he can't do it. So, Part of what he's caught up in is the knee and the age. Part of what he's caught up in is he's that throwback to a foregone era where, hey, we just need a guy who runs between the tackles and occasionally pick up on pass protection. Um, and part of it is somebody needs to tap him on the shoulder and go, hey, dude. But, I mean, also, if you know about Adrian Peterson's lifestyle, he better keep playing because he's got a ton of bills to pay with all those kids he has. And there was documented all these lavish parties that he likes to throw and the lifestyle that he and his wife like to lead. Fox Sports Radio, The Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan on Twitter at How About a Fresca. That's at How About a Fresca. Doug is at Gottlieb Show. Again, Doug at Gottlieb Show will be at Gottlieb Show later on this afternoon. Coming up next, continue to look back at week two of the National Football League and two high profile teams that many people think are going to be fantastic. But are they really going to be fantastic? Maybe not. We got to that coming up next. The Dan Patrick Show. This is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Fox Sports Radio, the DP Show, Hour 2. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. My show heard nights here on Fox Sports Radio. Doug, 12 to 3 every single day right here. And as we take a look back at Week 2, of the preseason, the NFL, that is that open is absolutely true. One of the most popular words I have heard at both Fox Sports Radio and the other place was, "Hey, Gottlieb's on. He wants to come on and talk to you." <laughs> hey, Gottlieb just called in. He wants to come on and talk to you. I'm fully engaged. That's a, that's a very popular. I, lo- I, lo- I love our lineup, man. I I challenge anybody to ever to to say, "Hey, there's a better sports radio lineup at any time of the day, any time of the day." It's really kind of cool. Like right, like we combined. Well, we used to have it the other place mm-hmm. to what was all already here, right? Like Ben Mahler was already here, right? So you, you kind of combined forces and it's Compton and Long Beach together. That's what it What's is. Right? <laughs> like no, you wake that. up and you got, you got Clay Travis, who's, who's, who's always trying to start something, right? And then you go to, to Dan, to Colin and, and Rich, uh, to my show and to the Gormans and to, uh, you got your show, you and Mike do an awesome job. And then Ben, I mean, like you got, dude, you got all kinds of dudes. Yeah. You know, and the, the funny thing is, I, I think it was you that brought this up a little while ago is that you can listen to almost any show on Fox and you can listen to other shows too. Like if you like your show, yes, you could listen to my show. If yeah. you like Colin's show, you could listen to your show. If you like Clay's show, you could listen to Colin's show. And, and you know, that that's like a symbiotic thing where you, know, you turn on the radio and go, okay, oh, I like this guy. Oh, and I like this guy too. I mean, that that's a big yeah, thing. Yes. We talked about culture last hour with the Browns. It's a big culture we have here at Fox. Yes, without going getting too deep in the woods, there are other places to which you're like, if you're listening and all of a sudden the hour ends and a new show starts, <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> Mm. Nope. 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 Not going to do it. 
But that's why you need to call into every show. That's what you do. I mean, that actually became a thing at the other place is that when you started, because you would call in other shows, it was like, and our bosses were like, oh, that's great. Wow, Gottlieb, that was great. We should get other people to call into other shows. So we were encouraged. Right. Hey, if you're listening, call in. Because that's all. All right, great. Because that's all I listened to then. This is all I listen to now. And then I tried to call in a couple of times. They put me on hold for too long. I'm like, all right, I got to just sit on hold for like 25 minutes. I'm driving. I'm doing other things. I got to go. I got to go. go. I got to do other things. Uh, But as we look back at week two of the NFL season, we got to the Browns a few minutes ago. We're going to get to Sam Darnold coming up in a little bit. I know you and I are opposite sides of that discussion. Two teams. I know it's only the preseason. I know people are going to say it's only the preseason. I get it. I know it's only the preseason. But there's two teams, two high-profile teams, that I just don't see success for this year. I don't see it, no matter what you want to say, no matter what people are looking at. And the first team is the Dallas Cowboys. I don't see how the Cowboys are going to win a lot of games. I don't. The Cowboys, the image of the Cowboys are great. Remember what they did two years ago? They came out of nowhere. We said, oh, the Cowboys are back. Cowboys are back. And then last year, what happened? They struggled a little bit. Didn't make the playoffs. It was okay. Oh, but the Cowboys will be back. The Cowboys have no playmakers at wide receiver. They have none. I don't know how they're going to move the football. Teams are going to load up on Ezekiel Elliott, and you think that suddenly Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott are going to start making plays. Dak Prescott is not one of those quarterbacks that makes people better. He's not a Brady. He's not a, he's, I agree. He's, he's not a Cam Newton. He's, he's not an Aaron Rodgers. He's not one of those guys. I don't see how the Cowboys are going to score enough points, and I don't see how their defense is going to stop enough people. I mean, when you're saying, okay, we're going to get down the field with Cole Beasley and – Michael Gallup and Alan Hearns, I, I don't see it. I don't see how you're going to be uh, so, able to do things. So I'll, I'll tell you their, their basic kind of working philosophy, which I actually talked to two NFL people about this, and we were up at Cowboys camp for, for, for my show. Um, look, they, they believe that between their offensive line, and if you're, you're just joining us and you're a Cowboys fan, you should know Zach Martin is a bone bruise in the knee. When, uh, when he got you know cut blocked by a – uh, he got he got cut by a a cornerback because a cornerback is like 190, 200 pounds. What's he supposed to do when Zach Martin's pulling? <laughs> but so you you end up dodging a bullet. And remember, they they have Tyron Smith back. And last year, they feel like in addition to Ezekiel Elliott missing six games, if they had Tyron Smith, even without Ezekiel Elliott, they would have uh, the entire season. Even without Ezekiel Elliott, they would have uh, they would have made the playoffs. So their working philosophy is: Hey, look, last year we changed out right tackles. And we didn't have Tyron Smith, and we still had a good offensive line. Now we're solid across the front, right? And and we have Zeke back. You're going to have to put eight guys in the box. And no, we don't have a Des Bryant of three years ago that demands a double team. And no, we don't have a Jason Witten, a surefire, hey, that guy is always open when everything else goes bad that we had for the last 15 years. But we can spread you out and find the one mismatch find the one safety on a wide receiver, and that's the mismatch we can exploit. I would tend to agree with you that that's cha- completely changing their culture where you go from Dez who demands the ball. Remember they threw the ball to Dez 133 times or something last year? Um, and Jason Witten who you know stopped being able to get open because he was, he was just too old. I think that Witten did them a favor. I think it's, I understand why they got rid of Dez but I don't. I agree with you in terms of like, dude. At some point, the fact that Dak is not that good is going to be exposed, and I think there will be moments of that this year. On the other hand, the general philosophy of, hey, let's just do it as an ensemble cast because we have a dominant running back. 
is great if everything is working. If you're if you're always gaining three or four yards on first down, if Ezekiel Elliott is healthy because of the workload workload that he's going to be carrying, like all of that, and I think they're going to use Dak some as a runner to make it eleven on eleven football. Like I think all of those things do make sense, but I would if you're thinking the Cowboys are a Super Bowl team, especially in the NFC, I would agree with your assessment that they won't achieve lofty thirteen win season of of two years ago. Like that's. That that was with a fourth place schedule. That ship has sailed. I think it's a, just a good football team in a really good football in a really good football. Is it not conference division? Right, like the Giants are better. They're not great, but they're better. And they can really score on offense. Um, I think the Redskins are solid. Obviously, they're trying to find a running back. But like Alex Smith is going to win games. He won't win you big games, but he'll win you enough games. And I think the Eagles are good. The expectations are going to be through the roof, and I think they have some things to work work through. Like if I said Cowboys are going to win between. Eight and ten games. Would you agree with me? I, I think it's on the lower side. Like I think they're going to be a team that we're going to see them around five hundred all season ago. At some point, they're going to take off. Right? They're going to be two and two and two and three and three and three and then four and three and four and four and five and four. And that's going to just be who they are. And we're going to say, well, at some point they're going to do it. No, that's really who they are. They're limited. But they're they're trying to do what the Dolphins are trying to do and many other teams are trying to do in the NFL, which is, hey, we don't need the one guy that commands a ton of money, a ton of attention. We just got a bunch of guys, go empty sometimes, spread out, find the one mismatch, play mismatch football. And it'll be fascinating if it works, like, hey, they're going to save a bunch of money at wide receiver. They're already saving money at quarterback, and they can use money for other parts of it. I think their defense is a little bit better than you think. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting with so many new pieces in their coaching staff. The, the team that I think that is the, the one that we assume is going to be good and appears to have, have peaked and be going through the valley is the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, they're putting... Yeah. And look, Chris Carson being back, uh, I saw him at Oklahoma State. Remember, got hurt last year after kind of a breakout couple of games. And I know that, you know, DJ Fluker, who, did you see, he dislocated his finger yeah, and the, yeah. went through the bone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, look, they're, they're trying to rework their offensive line. But yeah, that looks like a team that... Remember, when the Rams went up there and kicked the hell out of them last year, that was kind of a sign that it's over. And they know it's over, and it appears they've peaked. Um, the only thing kind of holding it together is I'm not sure San Francisco's there yet. I think Arizona's in rebuild mode as well. So it may be hidden more than it's hidden with the Cowboys because the level of competition in the teams they have to play twice isn't as great as it is in the NFC East. I would say I'd put the overrunner for wins for the Seahawks this year at five. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just seeing a big downtick for them because look, they already play every game is it's six, three at halftime. You know, or it's nine three. That that was the Seahawks when they still had playmakers. They would pull out, they'd find a way, they'd make a drive in the second half. Wilson would put points on the board, and they'd win sixteen ten or twenty three to sixteen, whatever it was. But it was just this is just part of the natural erosion when you have such a group of talented guys for a long time. Seahawks won and they started their quote mini dynasty because they had all their best players were all young. And they were all in their first contracts. And and you figure, okay, we're going to try to keep this going. Some guys are going to leave because you can't pay everybody. But we're going to bring other guys in and it's going to work out. Well, they brought in Jimmy Graham. Didn't work out. He's with the Green Bay Packers. Other guys they brought in defensively have not become the next era of the Legion of Boom or what they expected on defense. So when you lose guys, when you lose Bennett, when you when suddenly Richard Sherman gets old, when Cam Chancellor decides, ah, you know, I don't know, when Earl Thomas wants out, they've just lost so much from this team over the past few years. It's really Russell Wilson 
who was who was as the image of the Seahawks. Well, they're still going to be the Seahawks. They're still going to win games at home because they play so well at home. And he'll find Doug Baldwin when it really is comes down to who is hurt right now. And, right, and I but I just don't see them as a team that has enough. Like, I think the Cowboys are even more talented than the Seahawks are, but the, the image, like the Emperor has no clothes. Oh, but the Seahawks still, because you see Russell Wilson all the time. And yeah, we're going to see a lot of plays where he fades back 15 yards and runs around, and maybe he'll make a great play, and maybe he'll get sacked. But this Seahawks team is clearly on the downswing, and they have not done enough to be able to replenish the talent that's gone out the door. Look, I tend to agree with you, but here here's the, can I present the counter-argument to it? Present. Um, weren't. Wasn't Richard Sherman one of these guys we didn't know about before he became Richard Sherman? Right? Sure. Like if you go through the li- like yeah. what 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 they had was if if a I if John Schneider can find a bunch of hungry dogs that can make themselves into the most dominant defense in the National Football League once, why can't he do it again? I like it kind of with the Southern accent there. Where you, just, you can find a bunch of dogs. Like you just, you well, just went, went into that, college. What was you that? went down in that. You went to find a bunch of what dogs. Was, what was that guy who was the, he was the the head coach of um, Coastal Carolina? Like need more dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Remember yeah, he comes yeah. in, he goes need more dogs. <laughs> need more dogs. How do I spell that, coach? Is that with a W? Need, Is that with two Ws? Need, need more. Do- my, my my point. Like I I tend to agree with you, and part of it was we saw them come apart at the seams. But again, they're doing like what they're doing is not dissimilar from what I talked about with the Cowboys, which is like, look, these big name, big ego, huge money guys, like that, that doesn't play. That doesn't play. We got all the money sunk into our quarterback because our quarterback can play until he's 40. So that, even though we're spending more now than when we first made our move and Russell Wilson was just a third round pick, we can have him for the next 10, 12 years. The rest of the guys, it's better off getting dudes that are hungry that aren't making a bunch of money, and then when they go down, we can replace them much easier, right? Culture guys, guys that are hungry, guys that want to be here, guys that aren't here for that that bottom line. So, uh, again, I, I there's so many Seahawks to which you're like, dude, I've never heard of that guy ever before in my life because they still have Bobby Wagner, you know, in the in the in, in the, as a middle linebacker, and they still have some other pieces you know of, but everything else they've kind of turned over the roster really. My my only counter to the argument of Seattle being down because you go up, you have to overpay guys, you have to lose guys, and eventually you go down. That's what happens with the exception of the Patriots is this is a group, a collective group of front office that have found diamonds in the rough time and again to build up the Legion of Boom. Why can't they do it again? Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show, two teams on the way down, Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to get so much hate mail from Seattle. Uh, coming up next, speaking of week two of the NFL, a couple of rookie quarterbacks could be much more in line to start than they were a couple of days ago. We get into that coming up next right here. The Dan Patrick Show, Jason and Doug in for Dan. This is Fox Sports Radio. Public Wi-Fi at airports may be riskier than you think. Hackers are disguising their networks to look like public Wi-Fi. And if you're on a hacker's network transferring data to or from a financial institution, it could go straight to the hacker's device. If you use public Wi-Fi, make sure your security software is up to date. There's so many threats in today's connected world, and it just takes one weak link for criminals to get in. Good thing new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds to the power of Norton Security to help protect you against threats to your identity and your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. If you have a problem, their agents will work to fix it. 
No one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor transactions at all businesses. But new LifeLock with Norton Security can see threats you might miss on your own. Go to LifeLock.com. That's LifeLock.com. Or call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, and use the promo code PATRICK for an extra 10% off your first year, plus a $25 Amazon gift card with annual enrollment. That's the promo code PATRICK, extra 10% off your first year, plus a $25 Amazon gift card with your annual enrollment. That's promo code PATRICK. Terms apply. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan this week. Got Bruce Feldman, college football reporter, insider for The Athletic, coming up in 10 minutes because it's zero week in college football. Well, it's also the week in which we'll learn about the findings from the Ohio State investigation, which the 14-day window expired last night, yesterday, right? Mm, yeah. I'm glad that Ohio State went with the, four, the true 14 days instead of the 14 business days. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be that because, you know, you had the sex toys delivered to uh, Ohio State, you know, $2,200 worth of sex toys that dropped on Friday. That that might extend the investigation a little bit. Um, Yeah, I I would guess. I would guess. Yes. The new information. Does that does that change your opinion of it? Like, um, yeah, that, that story is that story, just all kinds of bizarre, all kinds of bizarre. It's uh, it, the ordering the sex toys, which. Um, Zach Smith, who's the former assistant Ohio State, was alleged to have done. I mean, it, like I love the alleged to have. Like, well, there's kind of receipts there. So, it, yeah. On on the other hand, we don't know if equipment. He, we actually, the receipt just said equipment. We actually don't know if he ordered them. That's the the one thing I don't. I I, I didn't look deep enough. And do we know if he ordered them and somebody else ordered them for him as like a, a way to set them up, or whatever? Because it does. Some of them seem to look whatever. <laughs> dude was a fr- if if he ordered them, dude was a freak. It is not against the law to be a freak. Now, apparently, the other stuff was, that stuff is funny. The other stuff is like, dude, you're doing what? At work? Or on a visit to the White House? Excuse me? Uh, paints the picture of a guy who um, has, like, just doesn't care. Right? Just doesn't care about things that could get you fired. Well, his lawyer has said that, this, as far as the sex toys goes, they basically admitted to the sex toys that they were gag gifts. Like they they were gag gifts. I'm like, okay, I could see if it was like a hundred dollars in gag gifts. Because yeah. as someone who's who like was twenty two hundred bucks in gag 20, gifts. No, because yeah, because because you know, a couple of times I was the guy because I live in L. A. A couple of bachelor parties are going. Hey, can you get some gag gifts for the bachelor party? I'm like, you know, because you live in L. A. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, God, debauchery is. Oh, lives in Los Angeles. Yeah, sure, I'll go. So I was the guy to go. So I go in and, you know. This, this sounds like somebody's got the goods on you and this is the excuse but, come, but that's okay. Right. Look, I just saw Jason Smith at the, at the toy shop <laughs> down the street and you should have seen when he walked out. Like, a gag gift. Gag so gift. I got a gag. It's a gag, everybody. It's a gag. TMZ, are you a TMZ camera? It's a gag gift. So I go at the same place on Melrose that, that I've gone to like three times now. And I go and I spend like 20 bucks because it's a gag. You know, it's gag gifts. Okay, what can we do? I have no idea. Gift? I have no idea. Oh. Like. It's, I have no idea what the cost of, like when I if I walked in I would be like how much is it supposed to cost Yeah no I don't know and I don't want to get too deep into the store cuz I feel it's like a movie where if I get if I get more than like 15 feet from the front door like a big hand is going to come out and grab me and pull me in and suddenly you know I'm I'm disappeared for a long time It's very it's, You think it'd be like a Vegas casino where like there's no clocks in the wall <laughs> and it's really hard to find an exit <laughs> 
Why can't I get out? Here there's some lady who has an ash to cigarette and she's pulling the slots and like, hi. There's all kinds of stuff and there's costumes and it's okay. Like, so you got to get okay, gotta 20, 20 so bucks. So it's like 20 bucks. Right. And then when I do it the first time, I'm like, hey, you did the last time. Can you get it? I'm sure I'll do it. So that was kind of like my thing. $2,200 are not gag gifts. They're not gag. See some of the pictures of stuff that's been ordered. Those are not gag gifts. They're not even close to gag gifts. Maybe he's just classier with his gag gifts than you are. Have you ever thought of that? Oh, the classy gag classy gift gag guy. Gift, right? oh, like, okay. like, listen, any, right. anyone can buy a, a what's it called, pump, <laughs> but only, I, I bought the Cadillac of pumps because I know how you roll, right? Because you might actually might actually want to use this thing. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so we're going to hear about Ohio State. Uh, we still don't know if DJ Durkin will keep his job at Maryland. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it's week zero in college football this week. Uh, so we got that with Bruce Feldman coming up in a few minutes. But meanwhile, it looks like we're going to see a couple of rookie quarterbacks starting in the National Football League week one. Obviously, eyes are on Josh Allen after the injury to A.J. McCarron uh, over the weekend with a fractured collarbone. McCarron, though, not giving up hope he's going to get a second opinion on his fractured collarbone because he knows this is the last chance he ever has to start in the NFL. You know, no one has, no one ever gets a second opinion on good news. You ever notice that? No one says like, Mr. Gottlieb, you do not have cancer. Nice doc. I'm going to get a second opinion on that. So the idea that um, we know he has a, fra- uh, uh, he has a hairline fracture of the collarbone and he's trying to get a second opinion. Um, I feel bad for AJ McCarron. I really do because could have been traded to Cleveland last year, gotten a chance to start, sat, waited for the most part in in Cincinnati and the 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 issue he runs into in Buffalo which he knows which is the same issue they're going to have in New York which is the same issue they have in Cleveland once you start the rookie you're not going to sit the rookie I I know that Cleveland sat Deshaun Kaiser last year like hey we want to sit him but when you have a first round pick once you sit him you run the risk of completely him completely losing confidence so which is why I'm I always err on the side of caution. Like the Josh Allen thing feels like Buffalo is walking into a disaster only in that everyone I've talked to in the NFL is like, look, Josh Allen could eventually be a really good NFL quarterback, but he needs to sit. He needs to learn. He needs to get practice reps. He needs to watch somebody else do it because regular season football and people game plan for you is so incredibly different. He needs to absorb that. But I feel like Buffalo some not by choice, but they're kind of walking into it with A.J. McCarron, Nathan Peterman. Oh, he's playing better than we thought. And it being just just like what we had with Blake Bortles back in the day where, all right, fine, we want a redshirt and we're going to play him right away. And you never get out of him what you eventually, what you should have gotten out of him. See, I want to go back to the first part with the second opinion is that as a doctor, I'm insulted. Oh, I'm not going to. I'm an I'm NFL doctor. doctor. I'm an NFL. Oh, my, and here's my opinion. You have a broken collarbone. You, can't you don't play, get a second opinion? You can't get. No, if I'm the doctor. When you have, and for people who don't know, Jason Smith is, is playing hurt. Playing hurt. He's yes. got He's got a really bad case of carpal tunnel syndrome. Yes, left-hand carpal tunnel syndrome. Left-hand carpal tunnel syndrome. But you're right-handed, though, right? Yeah, well, but I am ambidextrous with the mouse and my phone. So that's kind of where it's come from. Okay. This could be the first true social media injury. In sports. <laughs> no, well, oh, social media, right? Because uh, it was David Price who missed a game because of uh, Fortnite carpal tunnel, right? Yeah. Yeah, Joel Zamaya, the Tigers pitcher that couldn't pitch in the World Series because he had uh, um, a carpal tunnel from playing Guitar Hero too much. And then there was also uh, Trevor Bauer who cut up his finger because of the drone. Right. Cut up his finger because of a drone. I'm with and, those guys. And remember when he, when he's, the blood was dripping oh, in the playoffs? God, yeah. Right, that was like what two years ago. Yeah, I could really load up that ball with the blood on that it. Was, that was pretty <laughs> that late, that really good late movement. He's throwing a blood ball. He's throwing a blood ball, lump. 
I am not throwing a blood ball purposefully. <laughs> I never purposely, knowingly threw a blood ball. Um, no, but I'm a, if I'm an NFL doctor, okay, and the quarterback but, but, says, I'm insulted as a doctor that, wait, I'm telling you what's wrong with you. Yeah, but I want to get a second pin. Fine, screw it. Don't ever come to me again. That's what I would say. Yep, so I'm a doctor. I went to medical school for a long time. I went to Grenada, and then I came back to the United States, and then I went overseas. You know what they call the guy that graduates last <laughs> medical school, don't you? Doctor. Doctor. Like they go. I but, did all this the point, stuff. The, the point is, if when you walked in and you, you see your doc, you're like, Doc, I can barely move my hand. I, I have this like this kind of like claw hand sort of thing going on here. I have incredible pain. And he said, you got carpal tunnel. Well, you're like, good, done. Okay, fine. Now we know what it is. Or did you get a second opinion? No, I trust my doctor. So I said, okay. If I didn't like my doctor, I, there's a couple doctors I've, I've not gone to after the first time. I'm like, yeah, you know, we're, I, I, I'm if not. If he just said, suck you. it up, you're getting old, take an Advil and call me in the morning. <laughs> And you're like, no, it really hurts. Am I still paying for an office visit? Or yes. Is, oh, well, then I'd be upset. Yes. If I'm still paying for that. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, so Josh Allen in line to start. Sam Darnold also potentially in line to start after uh, Darnold's second game. Didn't go quite as well as the first game, but still he did some good things. And the latest reports out of New York late last night, early this morning, out of the Jets uh, camp is that Darnold is trending to start. He got more reps than anybody else with the first team in practice yesterday. Third preseason game coming up against the Giants today. I know you're not a big fan of him starting right away. Now, okay, the Jets are my team, and I'm nervous at what you're going to say about this. Well, no, I actually think they got the best quarterback of the lot. True. Like, I think the Giants screwed up. I think the Browns screwed up. I do. And... So with that said, you're like, well, why wouldn't you start him right away? Um, I know they play on paper easier competition early than they do late. And I know, and it's three games in 10 days and he can get a ton of reps. But dude, that offensive line sucks. That offensive line is awful. And they're playing without the right guard and their left tackle in their last preseason game. And he was constantly under duress. And some of that is good. Like you want him to see some adversity. You want to see if he can process what he's seeing, and then when he's when he has to move, when he has to adjust, when he has to manipulate the pocket, can he then still kind of lock in on where everybody's supposed to be and how they're supposed to be? Right. That is that's kind of next level stuff. Um, yes, but I also remember David Carr, and I fear not even not even getting hurt. Like I'm not that kind of masochist. It's more I I fear that he uh, doesn't get a chance to set his feet to catch his breath, that, he's, that, that he begins his NFL career on the run, on the move, and it, it hurts his, his overall upside. Yeah, I, I guess I fear the David Carr effect, that he can tell you more what, the, what, what it looks like in the sky than can what it looks like in the end zone, because that offense line is, I'm going to say at best, one of the five worst in football. You know, the tight end group is nameless. The, it's not, even if you had an offensive line, I'm not sure who you're going to hand the football to. I think the wide receiver is a little bit better than people think they are. Like Robbie Anderson's got to be incredible, considering what Robbie Anderson said to the cop when he got pulled over. Oh, sure, right? Like and to still play. Like, oh yeah, to still be on that team oh, after yeah. saying that to a police officer, yeah. he's got to have a supreme a supreme amount of talent. So it's not that I don't like Donald. I love Donald. I think he's I think he's the nuts. I think he's the deal. I just. You've seen that offense. It's awful. And three games in 10 days, and dudes are going to be throwing exotic blitzes after him, and I feel like there'll be bad habits and a lot of sacks and possibly some injuries. And I feel like you're better off. Just wait. He's going to be your quarterback for the next decade. You don't have to play him day one because once you start him, 
Now you can't pull him. Whereas if you start McGown, he was good last year. He's fine last year. He's fine. Then you start uh, Bridgewater. Well, now all of a sudden, like you saw in the second preseason game, I think you can get an asset for Bridgewater. When a, somebody needs a quarterback, they'll trade for a Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. You get a second or you get a third-round pick or you get a player that you need, an offensive lineman that you need in, in order to fill up your coffers so that you can protect Bradford for the future. All right, I disagree. I mean, uh, uh, Darnold, for Darnold future. I disagree with Darnold. I think it's part of a bigger point about the rookie quarterbacks in general in the NFL. We'll tell you. We'll get back into that coming up in a few minutes right here. The Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. Joining us now on the hotline, as promised, college football reporter for Fox Sports 1, the athletic Bruce Feldman. Bruce, good morning. How's it going? It's going well. Good to be on with you guys. Good. Hey, so uh, as we talked about a few minutes ago, today ends the 14-day time limit that Ohio State put on their investigation of Urban Meyer. Can we expect some kind of result today, tomorrow, or will the Zach Smith sex toys to the football office postpone things a bit? You know, everything I've heard is that it could something could come down maybe by Wednesday. Uh, I think people want, are, are expecting, okay, well, they said by Sunday – but I think there's going to be like a process of information and there's some meetings that have to happen and the president's going to make his determination. So I don't think this is, you know, part of me thought, okay, maybe we'll get something Monday morning. But after talking to some people, they didn't think it would be till maybe the middle of the week. So it's going to be a holding pattern probably for another within the next 72 hours, I would say. Brett McMurphy, who we, we, uh, uh, we both used to, uh, work with on some levels, of course, been covering college football, kind of broke this story wide open a long time ago. He he dropped the, the Friday news with the Zach Smith photos and the Zach Smith uh, uh, adult toys. Do you think this is pertinent, in your mind, to the investigation? Ooh, um, you know, on one hand, I think you could say, okay, this shows how reckless an employee this guy was, that he would have these this stuff just sent to the football office and there's a part of there also where it it, it talks about um, a sexual relationship i don't know if it's with a possible subordinate within the football office i don't know how that plays out some of the other details quite honestly i think are are pretty salacious um i don't know if they they are salacious i, I don't know if they go into into exactly how urban meyer i don't I don't know if Urban Meyer, you could expect him to say, okay, he's getting tipped off about what people are getting sent to uh, sent to the football office. I mean, is he going to know that there's a, it's not like there's going to be a big box that's going to come with, that's going to look really sketchy and, and is going to have like sex toys and neon written all over it to come to the office. I mean, I think by now we already know Zach Smith, you know, as we look at it in 2018, is a exceptionally sketchy character. Um, so I'm not sure. I don't think anybody who believed that, who, who, who had followed this case, thought much differently of Zach Smith. It was just, you know, these dates, these details are really, really ugly. Um, or in some regard, and I don't, I don't think this is, this is as much a Zach Smith thing as it is any, anything else. But I mean, you know, there, there are kids who are, you know, who these parents have and, they're gonna they're gonna deal with a lot of the fallout of this, you know, for for their their childhood and and beyond. I think, and that's the ugly part of this. 
Bruce, as time goes on with this story, can you read the tea leaves that because it's taking longer, we're seeing we're seeing you know whatever it is now two week stretch that this is more beneficial of a result for Urban Meyer that he gets to keep his job and maybe it's a suspension or a sensitivity training or whatever it is. I think it's hard to read too much into the tea, too much into the tea leaves on this thing because we really don't know. I think Ohio State in the investigation part has seemed to be pretty tight lipped about it and. I think we'd just be speculating at this point. I mean, there's been a ton of speculation. I know, you know, we have jobs to do and, and talk about stories like this and people want to know. But the reality is we don't know what Urban Meyer did about this information. When I say this information, I'm talking about the domestic violence allegations against Zach Smith. We're not talking about the sex toys per se or anything like that. But what was his, what was his process like, did he mislead anybody? Did he handle it, the protocols and procedures appropriately? If he did, then I think he's going to still coach there. Um, now, would they handle something differently with a possible suspension because of the way things were dealt with and discussed at Big Ten media days? I mean, that's a plausible scenario. I just, I just think right now we're just in the speculation mode. We're probably going to be that way for the next 72 hours. All right, so instead of making you speculate over things that none of us really, really know, I'm going to make you speculate on something else that you at least can wonder about. How does this, how does it affect the season? Like, because remember, uh, this is a team, as, as people know, that is expected to compete for and win the Big Ten. Big Ten, uh, Big Ten East is super, super competitive. How do you think this affects the Buckeyes heading into the season? Well, it's obviously a huge distraction. I think, you know, on the micro level, you had an assistant coach lose his job as a receivers coach. That is the most experienced group on the team. I think that group will be fine and respond well to the challenge. There are some really mature kids there. Uh, I think Brian Hartline, who was already in the program as a as a staffer and played, you know, had a terrific career there, played in the NFL. I think he's really going to be an upgrade compared to Zach Smith. Correct. The, it's one of those, why didn't they do this to begin with? Exactly. Exactly. I think he'll be a massive upgrade. And I think the players will respond well to that. The part that's hard to get a read on is they're super talented. I think Ryan Day's personality should play well for this because he's a low key guy. He's kind of a no, no BS, not a, not a flashy guy. He's a chip Kelly protege. And I think, that part will be that part will be beneficial. The part that's hard to read, though, is you got a couple of coordinators in Kevin Wilson and Graciano who, you know, have head coaching experience. I'm sure they, you know, probably would have loved to have had the chance to to be in this interim spot. I think you're balancing a lot of things out with a a, a leadership vacuum. It's not to say it can't be filled, but Urban Meyer had become that program, and there's a lot of guys who know, you know, whether it's his longtime strength coach Mickey Marotti or. There's a lot of guys who've been worked with him for a long time. The Larry Johnsons, who, you know, they know what they're doing. It's just a matter of, you know, minimizing the distractions because whatever's going to come of this, there is going to be a major PR cleanup that's going to have to happen in Columbus, one way or the other. Now, another one, speaking about a PR uh, cleanup that's going to have to happen, we're still also waiting for what the final results are going to be with what's going on at the University of Maryland is. Players in the past few days have described a culture that was toxic under DJ Durkin, who was placed on administrative leave while the school figures out the circumstances surrounding the death of Jordan McNair in June after a workout. Where do things stand as far as where, where they're going right now with this whole situation? 
you know, just looking at it from the outside right now, what we know, I think it's going to be really hard to envision a scenario where DJ Durkin can come back and coach that team. Now, fair or unfair, when when you talk about a Good Morning America soundbite from Jordan McNair's parents where they say, he sat in our kitchen and promised he would take care of our son, and now our son is dead. Uh, that is a damning, damning statement, especially when you've already had the, the school president and the AD go on the record in a press conference and talk about how the failures were there of the training staff. I mean, I don't know how... You but but can... but Bruce, but Bruce, I mean, I again, I, I'm, with all due respect to the McNair's parents, like, uh, what are they supposed to say? Right? It's it's their kid, and it's it's an awful awful story. But he wasn't under their care. This is a failure from the athletic trainer. Like, he's not even it allowed is, to be at that, at that at that. I understand the culture thing, but there's no way in the culture thing he would say, you know, like, don't take his body temperature. That's that's not his purview. No, but the question is going to be here, and I think you're already seeing it with the legal team that the McNairs have. Is did this culture where you had you, know, you had trainers who were who were uh, experienced professionals in this field? Did it just become push it to the point where it was lax and the decision making got really blurred? Because I think if you start hearing stories, and I I think this is where I think Maryland is going to be very sensitive to it is the level of discovery, and you start hearing, yeah, you're going to hear a lot of people who are going to be very supportive of DJ Durkin. It's probably going to be an overwhelmingly number of, of percentage of, of players and parents who have those experiences. But if you have it where, and we've seen this already from the ESPN.com story, where you have it where it's assistant coaches and some players, it's going to be hard to, to – I don't think anybody wants to walk down that road because a lot of stuff that happens – college athletics is not pretty if it gets laid out in transcripts and that sort of thing and again where it comes into okay it's a slippery slope in terms of in terms of trying to decide who's culpable and what's this culture i just don't think you know again i'm I'm thinking of this in practical terms because of that soundbite it's good morning america it is the most real thing where you know we're all parents you know we have children just to think about what these people must be going through and how big of a screw-up this was from the trainers on down. I get what you're saying, but I just think realistically, you know, I would not at all be surprised if the president, the AD, by the way, the AD has serious baggage from Georgia in his days of his own scandal. Right. I don't see those guys uh, working at Maryland a year from now either. No, I, 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 under, I understand it's a fire, a fire everybody mentality because you're scared of the, like, look, it, it's the, I mean, this is Disneyland when they have a, an alligator, you know, eat, eat the child a couple years or whatever, uh, you know, kill the child a couple years ago. It's like, what do you have to do? If somebody screwed up, you gotta, you got, and in that case, I know it's different, but I mean, like having played college athletics, I, I completely understand the idea that people don't understand how you, you can't, sometimes you can't tell if a kid is faking or tired or they really are overheating and it's the trainer's job. That's it. End of story. No matter how sympathetic I am. L- last thing really, really quick, Bruce. Um, uh, there's a CBS sports.com has a poll of, a, uh, of unnamed coaches and they voted James Franklin as the most overrated head coach. James Franklin's done a nice job at Vanderbilt and done a nice job at, at Penn state. 
what if if it's any sort of pushback or vitriol towards James Franklin, um, why do, what do you think it's in regards to? I think it's jealousy. Let's un, a nice job. But James Franklin took over an, a a punchline of a program at Vanderbilt. They were awful. They hadn't been in the top finished in the top twenty five in seventy five years. He had them in two of his three seasons. He had them finish in the top twenty five. It wasn't like they were all. They were trending upwards. They were four and twenty when he took over. Right. I mean, my argument—I did a whole column on this on the Athletic yesterday—is James Franklin's resume is going to stack up with uh, with anybody short of Nick Saban. If you think of how awful Vandy was, what he did there was was remarkable. And then he goes to Penn State and he beats Urban Meyer. He beats Wisconsin to win the Big Ten title. By year three, they win the Big Ten title, and this is a team that when he took over, they had nine scholarship offensive linemen, which is about half of what most people have. They've had back-to-back top ten seasons. Um, you know, I would argue he's one of the five, the five or six best coaches in college football, but a lot of guys do not like him because he's brash, and they think he's, he maybe plays to the camera a little bit. But you know what? A lot. It's hard to find. Short of, I thought about this a little yesterday. Short of Chris Peterson – you can't find many coaches who respect and don't think another guy cheats or another guy cuts corners. Chris Peterson is about the only one you ever hear anything privately really good about or respected within coaching circles, I feel like, across the board. You can follow him on Twitter at Bruce Feldman CFB. That's at Bruce Feldman CFB. Check out his latest on The Athletic on that column on James Franklin. Bruce, is always appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right, there goes Bruce. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick today. We'll have more college football as it's zero week in college football coming up. But straight ahead, bold predictions. What rookie quarterbacks are starting week one in the NFL? We'll tell you. Fox. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. It's zero week in college football. Thanks to Bruce Feldman. For stopping by a few minutes ago, saying Urban Meyer resolution probably around Wednesday. But we were talking NFL going into that. We talked about the rookie quarterbacks who likely could start week one coming off of week two in the NFL preseason. And you think the Jets should sit Sam Darnold, and for many reasons, offensive line is bad, put him out there, things might not go the way they think. I believe the two rookie quarterbacks that will start week one are going to be Darnold and Josh Allen. And Baker Mayfield's going to sit, and Josh Rosen's going to sit. Because in the NFL, I, I don't like when teams postpone the future. When it's, okay, well, this guy's good, but for one reason, we'll wait to put him in there. The Bills really don't have a choice, because if A.J. McCarron's hurt, you can't just put Nathan Peterman out there. There's no other... There's no other barrier of a guy, hey, we put them out there. You can put out Terod Taylor for a while. He can start until Baker Mayfield is ready. You can conceivably put Teddy Bridgewater out there for the Jets, but the thing about Darnold that's different is that he gives them the best chance of escapability. He's the most mobile quarterback they have. So you have offensive line problems. Part of what makes him good is being able to keep plays alive. He's got that Roethlisberger-type quality about him where I can move around, make plays, and throw the football down the field. I go back to when the Cowboys had to make that change from Drew Bledsoe to Tony Romo. It was because their offensive line was terrible, and Bledsoe couldn't get out of the way of anywhere. Well, we got to win games. Suddenly, Romo's in there because he's more mobile. They're able to make plays and hide the deficiencies of the offensive line. Totally fair. So I think Darnold can do that and hide the deficiencies because I don't want to see Teddy Bridgewater back there coming off a reconstructed knee. Hey, things are great. Things are great. And bang. 
and then suddenly you're going to hit because you can't move as well as the other guy can. So, uh, look, I think the Jets are going to sign. It's going to start Darnold. I don't think they should, but I think they will. Um, I think the Bills are going to start Nathan Peterman, and I think that's the smart. Remember, they they have it. He has it. The head coach has a thing for Nathan Peterman. No, Elaine, you're fired. Um, and but I I think the Browns. I don't think I don't think Baker Mayfield gets anywhere near a football field for at least half, if not more than that. I've been told in Cleveland it's not close between the two. And I, I generally think that Hugh Jackson knows he has to win some games, especially really to keep his job, to keep that team together. And so that's – do you just disagree with how those things yeah, go Yeah, you know he's got to win games. No, but those three, like Donald starts. Yeah, Donald starts, Allen starts. Yeah, I think he's – No, starts. I do not think Allen starts. You don't think Allen think starts. You like Peterman. Yeah. All right, you like Peterman. I don't, I don't necessarily like Peterman. I think they like Peterman. Who do you like in – who do you like for Cleveland then, Terod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor? Um, both. <laughs> Either and neither. The Dan Patrick Show brought to you by Mercedes-AMG Driving Performance. Coming up next, what's the biggest story of the preseason so far? We dive into the big controversy. Fox. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Yes, we have the poll up. Is Doug Gottlieb good for college basketball? You want to get in on Twitter at HowAboutAFresca? It's pretty simple. Is Doug Gottlieb good for college basketball? Yes, no. No maybe, just yes or no. I think that'd be a pretty good poll. We should put that up there. See what comes up. Is Doug Gottlieb good for college the basketball? The answer is yes, definitely yes. <laughs> college basketball is so, so far away, although uh, we, we we don't know how good Duke is um, in the contiguous 40, uh, 48 states, yeah. but uh, north of the border playing against uh, some JVs from Canada. They're awesome. R.J. Barrett and and uh, and others. Yeah. Zion Williamson. Williamson getting all the media attention the last seventy two hours, dunking from the free throw line, putting up stat lines at thirty six, fifteen, and ten. You know, suddenly, boy, if they played in Canada, they would they would just if, roll. If they played in Canada, Canada national champions. Yes, they would be the Canadian <laughs> national champions. They might be, well be the the national national champions, but in the meantime, um, also Little League uh, World Series getting underway. Which, um, uh, which you're excited about because the team representing the United States, right, or one of them is well, going to be is, look, is Staten Island. The best team is Staten Island, my hometown. That's the best team. They won again yesterday. Big Little League Day. You know, you saw the Mets and Phillies players sitting in the stands during the Little League games at the end. Saw that some of the Mets pitchers went and sat in the stands during the game against the Phillies last night. They played in Williamsport. Did you Did you play Little League baseball? Yes, I played. I played well Staten Island. I played in Snug Harbor. There's three Little Leagues on Staten Island. I play with Snug Harbor, Mid Island, which is where this team is from, yes. and then there's one on the other. I didn't know the other end of the island where it's from, but uh, isn't the other end of the island where the dump, where the dump is, or is, is that Snug uh, no, Harbor? No, that, that's where. No, no, Snug Harbor. Snug Harbor is closest to the ferry. Yes. Uh, the other end of the island is where you go into Jersey to go shop because there's no sales tax. So people would leave Staten Island, go right into Jersey to go to the mall to shop, rather than go to the Staten Island Mall. Got it. Because that's what it was. But Mid Island Little League. This is, look, because Staten Island, we don't have a lot. Look, the, the, Staten Island. Here's Staten Island. Every once in a while, Staten Island. Puts out a poll: Should we secede from New York State, like, and try to become the fifty-first state? That's like every four or five years. That's the topic that comes up. Should Staten Island secede? We're the forgotten borough, the borough nobody talks about. Now, there's that cooking show, Staten Island, whatever it is that's on, and uh, the latest Purge movie that was the prequel actually took place on Staten Island. That's really interesting. We have Staten Island Yankees as well. That's really Staten Island. And now this is the this is the best thing that's happened in my hometown in years. Here's Staten Island Little League, and they're clearly the best team. 
and they know it because their pitcher, Gregory Bruno, is retweeting me when I would tweet out about Staten Island. Hey, Staten Island, way to go. Hey, can Gregory Bruno pitch for, you know, an inning for the Mets tonight? Gregory Bruno retweeted you. Hey, you get a retweet from here. I was like, all right, they're ready. They're ready. The moment is not going to be too big for those Staten Island kids. It's amazing. Uh, when I was when I was in, uh, I guess it was fifth grade maybe, I had a buddy, Derek Yule. He played for Northwood Little League. That's in Irvine, Irvine, California. And that's not my Little League. I was South Sunrise. Uh, and Northwood won the Little League World Series. And he got like a ticker tape parade at, at Disneyland, which is, you know, like right right down the road. So South yeah. Sunrise sounds like an like an like an old home, like fifty five and over home. Uh you're gonna move into South Sunrise, Grandpa, when uh, it's time. Oh, that sounds like a wonderful place to go live. Yes. South South Sunrise, Little League. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Little League Little League baseball, I guess. But like look, we're a we're a football country, football culture, and it's a week in which we have real football games, although college football doing the these it's not a full week. This is week zero. This is week zero. This is the soft lunch to the college football season. Did you have zero period in high school? I we did. had zero period. Zero Everybody, period. There was the worst thing. Like, that is such a negative connotation because zero period means you were in school at like 20 after 7. Because, like, first period was always 8 o'clock. Yep. Then you had homeroom, whatever, for a few minutes, and you went to second period. If you had zero period, it meant yeah. you were up butt crack of dawn getting in for something. It said, and it was always like something you needed to take to graduate like you needed another gym or you needed you know you know you got to uh you know you didn't you didn't have it you didn't have a, a shop class you didn't have an art class so you're going to take zero period art or gym or whatever it is at 7:20 and that cuz you were up at like it, when it was still it was still a 5 on front of the clock you don't want to do that when you're in high school and then you're like okay there's a 5 I got to get up and get up. zero when i hear zero weeks i just get this 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 like feeling in my skin crawling cuz i had a zero period uh end of junior into senior year and it was the worst it was the absolute worst having to go to zero period. Yeah, my zero. I used to go and shoot in the gym, and I think that was that was what I would do zero. But I we did have zero period. You try to get extra credit for for doing it, right? Like a second because the way. Yeah, but that was helping you get into college and right. get a scholarship. Right. This was just I have to take I have to take a swim class. No, no, but I know what you're talking about. Zero period, <laughs> absolutely. Um, as we go on, yes, zero week in college football. Thanks to Bruce Feldman who joined us last hour on the show. Said uh, does not see you. Scenario in which DJ Durkin returns as Maryland head coach and possibly the Urban Meyer final decision on the probe. The two weeks are up today, but people he's talked to, it looks like it's going to be Wednesday, middle of the week for that. Meanwhile, the NFL dealing with their latest controversy, and it revolves around the helmet rule. We've seen through the first two weeks of the NFL ridiculously bad penalties called on players sacking the quarterback because the first contact with a quarterback is made with someone's helmet. And this is what's getting called. You hit the quarterback first, regardless as to whether or not you hit him in the helmet or you lead with your helmet, if your first contact is with the helmet, that is a penalty. That is what's being called right now, was approved in March, and could result in an ejection if the penalty is too severe. Players don't like this. Richard Sherman, the latest to weigh in on this, he said, quote, I want a video of you running full speed and being led by anything but your head while also attempting to bring down a moving target. You will soon realize it's impossible. So now everybody is anti this rule, and I think the Everybody's big, not anti this rule. Well, all the players are anti this rule. Not all the players. Oh, all the defensive players are anti this rule. And I don't think not all the defensive players. Like, every defensive player hasn't spoke out about it. But again, like... Let's not let's not do the thing that we do with social media, which is guy speaks out 
and somehow that that's what 100% of the players do. And by the way, I that's don't think not any what, defensive player is is okay with it. Nobody because nobody wants to get to the quarterback and sack the quarterback and hit him and have a penalty called against him. So no no defensive players want the fine. No defensive players want the 15 yard penalty. The coaches sure as hell don't want the 15 yard penalty. So I would say every every defensive player. I say the quarterbacks. I'm sure love this rule. And offensive sure. players love it. But the defensive players, all to a man, they have. There's not one guy that could say, Yeah, I'm okay with this rule. Well, no, look, but, but but this is it's. It, I think there are plenty of guys that'll be okay with the rule. I think it's you're not rewarded for speaking out against it. So not every guy has not come out and said it's a bad rule. By the way, he's wrong. He's wrong. Like Richard Sherman is really smart, but he's wrong. Okay, the rule is not. Well, you can't lead with. They don't want you to turn the top of your helmet down. Almost all of these penalties, you'll see at least just for a moment, the the crown of the helmet is towards who they're hitting. Right? That's what they're trying to take out of the sport, right? Yeah, and by the way, you're supposed to see what you hit, have your head up, and then kind of drive in to make a tackle. It's how you're taught at a young age. He's being disingenuous. This is what NFL players do. They are a group of liars and not even good liars. Like we don't have fully, we don't have guaranteed contracts. Yes, you do. They're just not for as many years or for as much money as basketball players as baseball players are right and oh yeah by the way you only play 16 games and there's a salary cap and they act like the they act like general managers are like taking the money that they save on a contract and putting it in their pocket like that's not how they work there's a revenue split and that's all that they can spend and there's a creative way of doing it richard sherman is lying (laughs) he's lying you can run full speed see what you're hitting and then at the time of making contact explode with your head up i didn't say it's not really hard I didn't say that the officials don't butcher calls. They have, and they will continue to do so. But that's the spirit of what they're trying to do is to protect the players from themselves, which is, you love Seinfeld? I love Seinfeld. It's the, have you ever heard him talk about the um, the helmet law for motorcycles? Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. The idea that, the idea that you, you have to have a law to protect a brain that is functioning so poorly it doesn't know it needs to be protected <laughs> is ironic to say the least, right? That's what this is. It's a law in which all we're doing is trying to protect players from themselves. We don't want Ryan Shazier. We don't want another Ryan Shazier. We don't want more guys with ALS. We're doing the best we can because you know why? You sued us for a couple of billion dollars, dude. Like, you're not that obtuse. You realize the sport that you play. And, and oh yeah, by the way, Richard Sherman's not a guy that comes in like a heat-sinking missile when a guy's crossing. He does tackle, but for the, his job mostly is to be physical at the line of scrimmage and then cover a guy out in, in, in. So he's he's taking on the fight for the safeties, for the linebackers, and for the slot corners who have to come in and actually plug holes. That's what he's doing. But the idea that the rule does not allow you to use your helmet at all is completely disingenuous because of how the rule's written. I'm not saying they're not screwing it up sometimes, but they're they're erring on the side of caution. It's just the preseason, and this is a new rule that eventually people will come around to be like, you know what, you're probably better off because of it. We had the same thing with you can't touch a quarterback below the knee, above the above the. They're not football players. We're playing flag football. Is what we're doing. Like they're not playing tackle football. Just don't spear dudes. Got to take away. Got to take away the technique which has been made worse and worse over the last twenty years of guys dropping their head when they're about to make a tackle. All right, two things. The first thing is, you know what I really want more than anything else is I want a story where Richard Sherman says, I love this. This is the best idea. I want one time for Richard Sherman to just love something. 
and think this is the greatest. Because every time Richard Sherman, he's really, really pissed off about something. Whether it's something that's in his wheelhouse, not in, I just want one story. He's boy, this is the greatest thing in the world. Yes. I love this. This is just so awesome. I, 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 can't, I can't even tell you. This is just the greatest thing. But when it comes to defensive players, this is part of, you talked about the, the concussion settlement. This is part of the overarching reason why the former players can't get everybody on board and really get what they feel they need back from the National Football League is because too many players don't want to change how they have to tackle. They don't want to change. They, they would rather spear, they would rather tackle the way they have. Man's game. Than alter the way they man's play. Man's game. And whatever happens, happens. It's a man's game, Jason. This, <laughs> this is flag football. It's a man's game. I think you do that like Seinfeld. This is a man's game. No, what I'm doing is, look, I have a nine-year-old son. He loves football. I love football. I played football growing up. Like, forget getting his mom to sign the permission slip. I'm, not, I'm struggling to sign the permission slip to let him play. Why? Because, dude, I, like... Do I think that every football, uh, every former football player has brain damage? I don't. I don't think I have brain damage. Not going well. well any that was from. from I'm not going to blame football on how I am or how I act. But the idea that there is a greatly increased chance of it the longer you play football makes me really hesitant to go. Like, yeah, I'll sign my kid up for that. You know, yeah. like why, why would you do it? I'll, I'll, listen, Richard. All we're trying to do is like protect you from you. Protect other players from themselves. Protect offensive players while still being able to have a functioning league. Like I, I hate to tell football, and I know they don't care about it, but I do. I actually care about the sport, care about the kids who play it, and kids are playing in high school. But I'm guessing that in 20 years we're not going to have high school football in 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 the country. And and people in Texas are like, no way, no way. All it takes is a study. It's a legit scientific study. That shows that uh, that a series of players got brain damage from playing high school football, and then it becomes a class action lawsuit, and then football can't be a high school sport; it becomes a club sport because high schools can't get it insured. That's all that needs to happen, and all we're trying to do is get back to the roots of of how you tackle, which is it's not take the helmet out of the game; it's see what you hit, keep your head up, because once you dip your head, you're going to spear somebody. Or you're going to spear you're going to spear somebody you either hurt somebody or hurt hurt yourself and that's really the problem. Well, that's the because I played three years in high school yep. and I was small. I had to spear because I was not bringing guys down any other way. I had to get my helmet in there. And there's so many times I would hit and I would tackle a guy and not see it. I would say, okay, I want to get my head here and I want to make sure I get him so I can wrap him and, and bring him down. And you know, my thing, you know, you know, not that I was great or anything. I mean, I could have gone pro, but I was a sure tackler. And that was, and I was not changing the way I tackled because that was how I tackle guys. Now it's different because here I am, you know, five two, and guys are running me or, or trying to run me over because that's the thing in high school. Is, you were five two in high school? I was like, well, when I started, yeah, I was like five two, five three. Oh, I, I I was like five seven when I graduated, so I became a big guy. But like I was like five two, five three when I started, and everybody that would, never wanted to run around you in high school was always, I'm going to run you over. Right. That was always the thing. So it was offensive players, the mentality of. I'm going to try to run. I'm going to I'm going to duck my head and I'm just going to run and I'm going to hit you with I'm going to hit you with my head and I'm going to knock into you. And that was a very dangerous thing. But as you as as things evolve, you have to realize okay, that's not a safer way to tackle. Right. You tackle a different way. Had these players, had the players said, "You know what? We're open. Let let's have a dialogue on this. How do we need to ta- how do you want?" But because everything has been anytime you heard James Harrison, "No, I'm not changing anything." Players who have been fine say the same thing. "I'm not going to change how I tackle. Not going to do it." So this is the NFL saying if you're not going to be open to a different way, we have to do this. Uh, look, this is what we're doing. But so, so do just, you, do you the think players a, just do you don't think, care. Do you think it's a good thing? That they're trying to save the players? Sure, it's a good thing. Okay, but I, I, I think I it's that, something that you could do 
the following week. Instead of making it where in a game where a team could lose a game because of a 15-yard penalty. Hey, if it's it's third it's it's third and 12, boom. Oh, we sacked the quarterback, but you know what? Uh, you, you, your face mask kind of hit his shoulder pad first. That's a 15-yard penalty. That's ridiculous to hold a player to that. This is something you can do the middle of the week and say, okay, we're going to review all these plays. And you know what? This was bad, and you're going to get a fine. And make it a bigger fine. It's still not going to make the players happy, but at least it's more in line with what a proportional response should be. You leave with your helmet, we're going to get in your pocket. And at least it's not on the field on Sunday where your team is losing and because of a play that shouldn't have been called the way it was. I would guess, I would guess that they're the NFL is probably saying, like, look, we tried that the fine thing and it hasn't really worked, and this is the best way to get it to work. And I would also guess that a lot like they took hand checking out of the NBA. And it was really painful in the preseason and early on in the season. Once you get around to playoffs, for the most part, it get, it does get back to some of the grabbing and the holding that they used to have in the NBA. I think that's the same thing. I think you'll you'll I think we'll find that once you get into the meat of the NFL season, once you get into the fourth quarter, like they're generally going to stay away from. Eh, is it close? Is it not close? But you you have to err on the side of caution. Otherwise, you run the risk of they're just new rules and nobody pays attention to. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. Uh, Doug Show, 12 to 3 every day here on Fox. My show, 8 to 11 at night here on Fox Sports Radio. We got more NFL on the way. What quarterback is having the worst preseason out of anybody? I don't think it's even close. We'll find out next on Fox. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show, brought to you by Mercedes-AMG Driving Performance. Michael Lombardi coming our way in about 10 minutes. Talk all the latest news in the National Football League. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan today in this week. Doug has money on Rhode Island, Australia, Little League World Series. I, I have a question on this. Why is Rhode Island playing Australia? Like, I, I thought the American champion plays in the Little League World Series. Yeah, they move things around when you're in the elimination game. And so teams, depending on how they win, if they have too many teams that win, it's just a way to get it so it's not, oh, wait, so, it's stacked so, one way or the other. Wait, wait, wait. You know, you know, there's double. It's a double elimination. You, you lose twice, you're out. Okay, but so do we only have? One, is Rhode Island the team that won our national championship? No, we're still waiting. Like, like Staten Island's in it, as we talked. You know, Rhode I Island's in it. You have, but why? Why does? Why is there the crossover between Rhode Island playing Australia? Shouldn't they be playing a team from the United States? They should be, but because it's double elimination, you can't control who, how many teams win. Like, if, if a couple of teams win, therefore, then it's like okay, so now you don't have enough games. So they're able to cross-pollinate the uh, uh, the the brackets to get teams to the point where okay, here's a team win, you know here. Yeah, but like so, say Rhode Island wins this game, right? Right. Okay. Do they only play team? Like eventually, they have to play back for the national for the United States national championship, right? Or can we have multiple teams in the actual Little League World Series now that we couldn't oh, have before? You could, you could, you could, you could do that, but it's it's still set up to have the United States and the and the world champion. But this also could be it could be a consolation game uh, in which it's over. It's a consolation, it is a consolation game? game, yeah. It's a consolation game. So now they're playing. So just we the could one win the game. consolation championship and win 
the the inner, the actual world championship. I don't think there's a consolation championship. There should be a consolation, win. or it's just this is just a one-off game. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a one-off. This is like the last place game. Sure. Okay. <laughs> to get the final seedings and you know one one all the way through the X. Got it. There you go. Uh, so, who's having the worst preseason in the National Football League? What quarterback is having the worst preseason? I don't think this is up for debate. It's got to be Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch, who has been demoted to third string. For the Denver Broncos, after poor play this preseason, Chad Kelly, Jim Kelly's nephew, is now the second-string quarterback behind Case Keenum. Uh, First game, we saw Paxton Lynch get booed. Second game this past weekend, Paxton Lynch, many boos, said he's trying to fight through it. He wants to keep playing. He also said after the first game, I don't know why I got demoted, but here's Paxton Lynch, a guy who was a first-round pick that John Elway moved up for and is turning out to be one of the biggest quarterback busts in recent memory, and for all the flack that the Jets got for Christian Hackenberg. Hackenberg saying that, yes, yes, absolutely, he stunk. Complete whiff, total whiff. He was still a second-round pick. John Elway moved up into the first round to go get Paxton Lynch. He was going to be that quarterback of the future. You think about as good a GM as John Elway has been, quote, as, as you know what he's been doing running the team. Mm-hmm. He took a team that was an offensive juggernaut. They got close to the Super Bowl then turn him into a defensive juggernaut that would do just enough on offense and win. And that's a great thing. To be able to do that and win is awesome. And that that's executive of the decade type stuff. But you have to realize he is completely on the hook. The quarterbacks he has brought in, even you know if he was on the hook for Brock Osweiler, he's got to be happy that Osweiler took that extra money to leave to, to go try to be the quarterback of the Texans because his record with quarterbacks is not great. He brought in Peyton Manning, who was great for a couple years, then was terrible. And every other guy he's brought in, that's supposed to be the quarterback, has stunk. He tried to bring in Mark Sanchez to be the quarterback, and he could even win the job from Trevor Simeon. Simeon started, now he's gone. Now it's Case Keenum. They're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. The Keenum's going to be the guy that he was in Minnesota. And you know, John Elway's got to own Paxton Lynch and own the fact that, boy, as a former quarterback, you've had a tough time picking quarterbacks. Uh, Yes. Uh, there's, there's, a bunch, there's, a, there's a bunch to bite into Okay, the first thing is that's a John Paul Morosi line, by the way. Yeah, it's a, a lot there, a lot there. Let me get into it. Let me get was, into it. There is a lot a, there. There is a lot there. We would both agree that he's he's been a pretty good general manager, right? Like the idea that he's been a disaster because he hasn't had a Pro Bowler that he's drafted, it does not necessarily mean he's a bad general manager. We could also point out that it's hard to evaluate quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It just is. The Dallas Cowboys wanted to trade up to get Paxton Lynch and instead settled on Dak Prescott. And even Dak Prescott wouldn't have become Dak Prescott if Tony Romo hadn't gotten hurt. And what's the kid from Boise who was his backup who got, got hurt? Uh, oh, he also, couldn't throw. Kellen Moore. Kellen, Kellen Moore yeah. got, got hurt. Right? I could throw harder right-handed than Kellen Moore. I did. understand, but Kellen Moore was actually the backup. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think that did he screw up on Paxton Lynch? Yeah. Did he screw up on Brock Osweiler? Yeah. Yeah. He missed on two. The Osweiler thing, I've often pointed out that the biggest mistake was Osweiler was his son's roommate and best friend at Arizona State. So I think his, he, he was a little clouded in his judgment. His son was probably like, look, I'm telling you, this guy is the real deal, Dad. He's big. He can throw. <laughs> you know, he reminds me he's more athletic than you think. And he just didn't have it. Let's also give him this benefit. The middle of the first round is really hard. Once you lose, once you lose the top couple of guys off the board, it's tough. It's tough. Now. Uh, Derek Carr slipped. There's a guy that you could have gobbled up. There's some other quarterbacks that slipped that you could have gobbled up. Um, 
But but at, at this point, at some point, you need to cut bait with Paxton Lynch if he just doesn't have it. The thing that I found fascinating, though, for the Denver Broncos fans is you're like you're booing Paxton Lynch, and you're making it you're making it harder for you to keep Paxton Lynch. Like I don't really at this point, you're pot committed to Paxton Lynch, right? You you got. I mean, if you keep him as your third quarterback, you don't keep him. Um, and I I I don't think you're I don't think he's ever going to pull out of it. Because now he's in the mental spiral of not only does he is he not playing well and does he not think he can play well, but when fans don't think he can play well, it makes it almost impossible to pull you out of that. You're like in a death spiral here, and you almost got to go find a new landing spot. You just do. Um, whereas if it was the, the real world of the NFL, because you're a first-round pick, they've already paid you the money up front. They keep you around, and something happens to the starter. Something happens to Case Keenum. They turn to you, and we see you, be, you become kind of their last hope. So I agree with you in that they've missed. I think it's the ultimate irony is here's Case Keenum, who has none of the marks of what a John Elway would look for, right? He's not big enough. His arm's not strong enough. He's not crazy athletic, right? He's just kind of one of those grinder guys that kind of find a way that was the last guy of any sort of repute on the free agent market, and that's what they're resting their hopes on. And then, oh yeah, by the way, at the same time as we're saying he's whiffed on two first-round picks as a quarterback, he might have found like his next guy in a swag Kelly, Chad Kelly, who should have been should have been probably a third-round pick, maybe even second-round based upon talent. But of course, you know, lost his you know lost his scholarship at at Clemson, and then tore his ACL before he ever got to the NFL with Ole Miss. And so while, yeah, it's really hard, middle of the first round is a tough, a lot of people have swung and missed in the middle of the first round on a quarterback. You do wonder if it's time to cut bait or if you just, let's let him sit there and see if he can suck it up or if he can beat beat out Chad Kelly. I think it's fascinating to watch what happens in Denver because I don't think they have a great team. And I do think they're betting, they're, they're, they're putting everything on a guy who doesn't really have great arm talent, and we know who Case Keenum is. He's one of those Ryan Fitzpatrick types that just kind of keeps hanging around, hanging around, and does it all on on heart and brains, and maybe not on talent. So I like that Paxton Lynch looks kind of like the lead singer of a '90s boy band. Like that's it. Like like the lead singer of Color Me Bad, but until you know, until he got to be like 400 pounds and started pushing people off stage. Yes. Like he looks like the lead, like a boy band lead. Say, oh, that guy's in the '90s. He was in Backstreet Boys or NSYNC or Boyzone or one of those bands. Like that's that's kind of what he looks like. I like that. You should you should you try. Too bad he can't capitalize on that. Uh, I like that. I I looks like somebody who'd be a lead singer of a boy band. (laughs) The 2018 Mercedes-AMG E63 S sedan, unrivaled luxury meets unbridled power. Test drive one today, Mercedes-AMG, driving performance. Joining us now on the hotline, former GM in the NFL, covers a league for the ringer, also his new book, Gridiron Genius, a master class in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL, comes out September 11th. You can pre-order the book, The Forward, written by Bill Belichick, Michael Lombardi. Michael, what's happening? Not much. How are you guys doing? I'm not sure Paxton Lynch is a is a '90s lead singer because you got to have a hit. He hasn't had one hit yet. So oh, I would say that would probably keep him from having that opportunity. Oh, shots fired by but, Michael Lombardi. But uh, listen, as as much as he looks like he doesn't have it, and he looked like look, he didn't have it last year. to anybody paid attention? Um, Chad Kelly might. He might. I mean, like, listen, Michael. You know, he's he got arm talent. He's super athletic. Uh, some of his stuff was off the field and in dealing with coaches as well as coming back from injury. 
Could they, on one hand, have whiffed on the uh, the first round pick, but have found a kind of diamond in the rough in the seventh round pick? You know, I, I think Chad Kelly's done everything he can do to be the backup quarterback. I'm not sure he's not going to keep putting pressure on Case Keenum because, as you guys talked about earlier, I think Denver's in a situation where Case Keenum's not going to be able to carry that football team, and and his accuracy at times he loses the strike zone. Look, he's a he's a fierce competitor, and he played within the system perfectly. In Minnesota, that's a different situation. Now he's got to carry a little bit more of the football team. Uh, I, I suspect that Chad Kelly could really close that gap. Chad Kelly looks like an NFL starting quarterback to me so far in the two preseason games. He's got good feel. He's got a great arm. He's got some poise to him. Paxton Lynch, unfortunately, you know, we can keep giving him more time, but at some point you've got to reach a conclusion, and he just doesn't have what it takes. He's a, a classic college quarterback that played in a seven-on-seven scheme out of shotgun so often, made a lot of throws, but as the game speeds up, it's harder for him. Uh, another quarterback getting a lot of attention is Sam Darnold, and Mike McCagnan just did an interview uh, New York radio station WFAN that's saying how impressed he is with Darnold. He's unflappable. It looks like he's on track to start. He got the majority of the reps yesterday, but also hinted that he's open to trading Teddy Bridgewater. Said we could keep three quarterbacks. We could also keep two, so the for sale sign is out there on Teddy Bridgewater. Does anybody bite? I think a lot of teams should bite. Look, I think the New York Giants should think about biting for him. I mean, whether Davis Webster back up, eventually they're going to have to get somebody to replace Eli Manning. You know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they could go into the season and start with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I think if Teddy Bridgewater was there, he would give Jameis Winston a run for his money. You know, the thing about Teddy Bridgewater, you have to be very diligent in terms of studying him Let's go back to his 2015 season where he was excellent. Now, you could say, well, that was 15 and he's had the injuries. Well, what he's proved in the preseason is that he's overcome the injuries, that he's got, he hasn't lost his moxie, that the, the knee injury hasn't kept him from being a little tentative in the pocket. He's back on track. That's a starting NFL quarterback who won 11 games with Minnesota, who frankly would be better than the last starting quarterback at Minnesota who went to the playoffs, and that being Case Keenum. I think there should be a lot more interest in him. If I were the Miami Dolphins, I would certainly be interested in him. But if I was Tampa Bay, if I was Denver, Denver's got a lot of money tied up in Case Keenum, but I'd still be looking in that direction because, for me, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a true starting quarterback in the NFL. Wow. Uh, what's the value? What's the value? Third-round pick? Well, Do you, you know, go second-round pick? Well, like, what's the? Everybody has a value, right? What's the value for Teddy Bridgewater? Well, I mean, Sam Bradford, they gave up a first-round pick in Minnesota because of the injury. You know, I, I think a lot of it is all about circumstances. Now, the, there's a rumor out there, whether it's a rumor or real, that the Colts turn down a second-round pick for Jacoby Brissett, which I could see that. You know, Seattle might have offered that. There's a lot of bad backup quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and so when you're looking for that, it's the most important position on the team other than the quarterback. If you lose your quarterback, just hypothetically say the Rams were to lose Jared Goff. Is Sean Mannion going to be able to come in and handle and make that team a playoff-caliber team? No. I don't think so. No. And so I, I think you really have to look at it. Look, I, I could easily say, would somebody give a one? That wouldn't shock me. Uh, is, some, is he worth a two? Absolutely. Where are you going to find a starting NFL playoff caliber quarterback in the second round? We're talking about misses in the first round. We're talking about misses in the first pick overall in the draft. So I think, you know, we, we often confuse this draft pick for giving up a pick for a player. Well, the player, the pick ends up being a player. Right, right. And so. Right. Right, like, uh, yeah, like what, the, the best, the best you could hope for with a first-round pick is a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL, and you have one staring you right there in the face. I want to ask you about. I, I, Jason and I were talking. I'm fascinated by what Kansas City has chosen to do. Right, 
Alex Smith was fine. He had his best season as a pro, and he was finally, at least on some level, throwing the ball downfield because he had Tyreek Hill. But there is look, there's a ceiling there, and they've they've chosen to break through that ceiling. You know, with Pat Mahomes, and we saw the 70 yard touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill, but we also saw an interception where he tried to force the ball down the field. He's got. Sammy Watkins, who they probably overpaid for. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Got the leading run, uh, rusher in, in his backfield behind him. He's got an outstanding play caller in Andy Reid. But there's a lot of risk to all the reward of throwing the ball downfield with all of his arm talent and his youth. How do you think the Mahomes thing plays out in Kansas City this year? Well, I, I think we, Kansas City is one of those teams uh, that is really not revealing anything in the preseason. I think they're hiding a complete whole new offense that we're not really seeing. And you can see it in just subtleties of what they're trying to do. Mahomes is not going to be Alex Smith. Alex Smith was able to get to the line of scrimmage, get the Chiefs in the right play, point out the mic, change the cadence, do about five management things at the line of scrimmage all within 20 seconds, and then execute the play and protect the football. That's not always going to be what Patrick Mahomes can do. What Mahomes can do is air that thing down the field, make explosive plays. They may not be as good on third down, but they'll average more yards per attempt, which is critical. I think Andy Reid has an offense in mind for Patrick Mahomes. We haven't seen it yet, and I think he feels like for him to win a Super Bowl, for him to get to compete against the New Englands, against the top teams in the league, he's got to be able to get the ball down the field more and really not always have 20 play drives. And I think that's why he made the move. And I think Mahomes is going to make mistakes. He's going to grow on the job. But that being said, I think he's got enough arm talent and enough moxie in terms of how he plays. He's not a seven-on-seven quarterback. He can play faster. And I think in their offense, the way they're set up, it'll be a lot easier for him to make those reads. All right, Michael, lastly, as far as the rookie quarterbacks, Doug and I spent a lot of time talking about that this morning. Uh, the rookie quarterback, kind of fill in the blank for us, the rookie quarterbacks who are going to start week one will be who? Oh, Sam Darnold, I think, without a doubt, will start week one. He has to start week one. I mean, it, you know, they built this team around him. I think he's smart. I think you can just look at the preseason. One thing you have to do when you're watching rookie quarterbacks is to, do they understand the protection and can they can their feet be tied into their arm? And that's what you see with Sam Darnold. I think Josh Allen will start in week one because of injuries, not because he's earned it, but I think he's got a real chance to become a better player. He's improved from the time he's left Wyoming to where he is right now. So, uh, Baker Mayfield, I I do think Terod Taylor's been playing outstanding football, but it's my understanding that there's a substantial gap between Mayfield and, and Terod Taylor. Is that what you hear as well? Well, I think there is. I mean, look, you know, the preseason can be somewhat misleading. Go back to 2013 when there was a bunch of rookie quarterbacks in the league and see some of those numbers in preseason. And, you, and Brandon Whedon was the best quarterback in the preseason, and everybody was talking about how lucky the Browns were to be able to have Brandon Whedon. So I think you have to temper the preseason very carefully. That being said, I think Baker Mayfield's made some plays with his feet. He's been able to move around the pocket. Now, what happens, in, what happens when the game starts in the regular season is people control their pass rush much better. In the preseason, they don't. And I think that's where Baker Mayfield's going to have to figure out how he can see down the field because of his height and how he can read those windows in the thing. And right now, it's going to take him some time, and I think that's what they're waiting on. Cowboys have chosen to go really without a dominant wide receiver. Going to try and find mismatches with a bunch of different guys, hoping you put eight in the box uh, to stop Ezekiel Elliott. They dodge a bullet with Zach Martin, only a bone bruise in the knee. Do you like the idea of what the Dallas Cowboys are trying to do? One of the notes 
Sean May watching Dallas play Cincinnati this week, do they have enough explosive players? Because, look, the preseason, nobody's doubling anybody. Nobody's taking away. No one's making you play left-handed with your offense. And so, you know, when I watch them, I think Dak Prescott's outstanding. Just think about this, Doug. Dak Prescott played last year with two guys that aren't in football anymore, and they were supposed to be the guys who carry their offense. Jason Witten, a tremendous pro, but was at the end of the line in terms of his career. And then Des Bryant, everybody's always Des Bryant. He can't separate like he like he did at one time. That's why he's unemployed right now. He's having a harder time finding a job. So there was a lot of responsibility on Dak and as the play caller to try to find the mismatches. When the season starts with Dallas, I'm worried about how they have enough explosive players that, look, you can play eight in the box, but when they force you to throw the ball to the number two receiver and your number two receiver can't win, that becomes a problem whether you have eight in the box, seven in the box, or four in the box. You can follow him on Twitter at M Lombardi NFL. That's at M Lombardi NFL, former GM in the NFL, covering the lead for the ringer. And check out his new book, Gridiron Genius, a master class in winning championships, building dynasties in the NFL. Can pre order now. Gets released on September 11th. The forward is written by Bill Belichick. Now tell me he wrote more than just we're on to this book. Like, did he write, really write no. something for you to just say, turn the page? I mean, because that's what I'm yeah, thinking no. a Bill Belichick forward would be. I am flattered to say that he did write something more, and he personally wrote it. It was really well. It was so kind of him to do. And, you know, we've had a long-standing friendship for over thir- almost 30 years now, and, uh, you know, he was very kind to do that, and I appreciate him. And I learned so much football from him. This book's about him. This book's about Bill Walsh. This book's about Al Davis and all the things I've learned. It's not about what I am. It's about what I learned. Michael, as always, appreciate it. Have fun. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right, there goes Michael Lombardi. Now, if you miss any of Dan Patrick's interviews, celebrity interviews from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, just go to the Dan Patrick app where you can watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Mercedes-AMG, the best or nothing. Well, we got more NFL on the way because the year 2012 is very excited about the news that is breaking right now in the league. We have it for you next. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick. This is Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan today. In for him this week. My show heard nights here on Fox, 8 to 11. Doug coming up 12 to 3, doing triple duty today. You got Colin coming up on the herd, and you got your show. You're as busy as the Redskins today. They're seeing every potential running back who was great in 2012. Yeah. Can you play running back in the NFL? Do you want to be a Washington Redskins? Show up at Redskins Park at 8.30 sharp. Make sure you bring your cleats. And you're going to have to take a physical. So get ready to cough. <laughs> Jamal Charles or Adrian Peterson, who has more left in the tank? Uh, Jamal Charles, as long as he is healthy. As long as he can run because he still has the speed. He still can be what they want. And that is a good change of pace running back who can fit in the mix. Because Adrian Peterson is just going to be unhappy. They're bringing Peterson in today. They brought Jamal Charles and well, how do you know he's going to be in Jedi Sith Lord Orleans Darkwell yesterday? How do I know that he's going to be in today? He's at Orleans Darkwell. He's a Sith Lord. It sounds like something, you know, like you went to Mustafar and I met with Orleans Darkwell. Oh my goodness, what he ah, it is he, a great. He it, wants to bring balance to the Force. Uh, it is a great. What's the name of the the tight end? I think he's from Miami. Who's the uh, with with the Cleveland Browns? Uh, David and Joku. Oh yeah, no, he's a good guy. He's a good. He's a good. Joku does does sound like a, a a name from 
He could it honestly sounds like a name from Star Wars. Yeah, and Joku's a, a Jedi, but Orleans Dark was definitely he's a Sith. He's right, on, he's on be, the dark before side. Before we before we lose people <laughs> who don't like Star Wars or don't want to mix cost pollinated with with their football. Look, Agent Peterson showed last year he couldn't handle being part of a backfield. He needed to be the number one guy. He he, he wasn't happy in New Orleans. New Orleans got rid of him. And as you pointed out earlier, how much how much they improved. And you know Alvin Kamara is able to get such a huge a uh, potential workload. It worked a little bit better in Arizona because he was the primary ball carrier because you had the David Johnson injury. But really, at this point, he's not going to be a mail-carrying guy. and He's going to be part of the mix in Washington. I know that he's going to carry the football every first and second down. I, I don't think he fits, and it could just be problems. Jamal Charles can be someone, look, you know you can't give him the football a ton because you don't want him to break down. He's older now, but in the right circumstance, you mix them up with the with the guys you have there already, and things can work out okay. So if Jamal Charles still, okay, I like Jamal Charles. Um, yeah, the problem is it's been, like this will be the fourth season since Jamal Charles was an impact back in the NFL, whereas as much as Adrian Pearson, it's been a couple of years as well. Like, look, both of these guys are the poster child for why not to sign Le'Veon Bell to a long-term deal, right? Um, and 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 they're the poster child for once you hit thirty or you have a knee injury or both, suddenly you have you you have limited value in the NFL. I do think though that considering they lost they lost the two primary running backs, guys that would be lead dogs. I actually think Adrian Peterson would be the the better of the two, but again. Both of them are going to depend upon their knee and how much how much beating they could take. I'm not sure I wouldn't take a swing at both of them anyway, right? Like sign <laughs> We're them both. We're going to bring you both in. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? You can still keep 90 on the roster until you cut down to 53 and see what you got. You can play I Love the Aughts. Like, you know, have I Love the 90s on VH1. I Love the Tooth. I Love the Aughts. Hey, we're going to bring in all the guys who were good when it was still a zero in front. I also like the idea of Adrian Peterson understanding don't get into camp where there's a bunch of guys you got to beat out. Wait till there's a team that needs a first and second down running back. And he could still, both both had yards per carry. Adrian Peterson was only 3.5, but he got a, a steadier volume of carries last year with Arizona, as opposed to Jamal Charles, who I don't know if people remember was a Denver Bronco, mm-hmm. and they did were limited at quarterback, and he averaged 4.3 yards a carry, but only took ran the ball. So, look, I would guess Adrian Peterson in the Frank Gore still kind of got it would be the better fit. Don't you you don't see that that Jamal Charles will catch the ball to the backfield a little bit more yes, than Peterson will. and yes. Peterson will but not I don't catch think, a pass? I, I guess it depends on what they need from whoever they get. I I get the feeling that this particular job is more of a true running back, whereas if just Jamal Charles is better at catching out of the backfield. And you're completely dismissing Orleans Darkwa. He's gonna do something to you very badly and you're you're gonna say so he's gonna cut your left hand off. Yes. You're gonna have to have a uh, a, a hand that's gonna be you know, mechanical like Luke Skywalker. Uh, today's show brought to you by Mercedes AMG driving performance. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick. So Dan always does the, what have you learned? Bruce Feldman thinks that it's uh, hard to imagine DJ Durkin ever coaches at Maryland again. Hard to imagine. Didn't say it won't hard mm-hmm. to imagine. Also said that the urban Meyer, uh, Probe, which was supposed to end today, today's specific end of the two-week span, will be middle of the week, likely on Wednesday. And Michael Lombardi said, and this is interesting, that his question about the Dallas Cowboys is, do they have enough explosive playmakers? When somebody says that, it means he, they don't, he doesn't believe they have enough explosive playmakers. And Doug once paid $8.50 for a hot dog. Two He's hot still dogs. upset about it. Two hot dogs. Oh, you got two. Two hot dogs.
At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.